Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for the second Bill and Ted episode of the week here in Bill and Ted Month. Uh, we're cramming it all in at the last minute, and this is very exciting because it is an Oz Network first. Uh, let's call this Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey Redux, because uh, it's basically what it is. This is a movie that uh, was covered uh, about three years ago, maybe, by myself, Rossi, and Jamie back when Bill and Ted's Face the Music was still just a dream in Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson's mind. Uh, and now it is a thing only days away from coming out. And I'm losing my headphones. Hold on. <laughs> Ugh, I God, have to my laptop. So unprofessional. If you're hearing a bunch of noise, my, my laptop literally came up with that screen saying, your battery is running low, please plug it in right after you said go. So I'm like wrestling around and putting it on the floor and plugging it in. We could have okay. edited this out. Here I am saying you're unprofessional, and you're like, I could have edited this out, but I've left it in. So oh, anyway, it's that's still awkward. in the episode. Okay. Yeah. How appropriate, because this is a famous Oz Network episode where I asked Jamie if she wanted me to edit out a moment, and she said, <laughs> keep it in, which you, you have to listen to here. It's great. Uh, but anyways, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So... Uh, the majority of what you're going to be hearing during this episode is going to be old, but you're going to hear some new too. Uh, you're hearing new right now. That's the magic of time travel and uh, the afterlife and everything else. Uh, my name is Colin and reaping burns a lot of calories. And my name is the Duke of Spooks, the Doc of Shocks, the man with no tan. Please say hello to <laughs> Ben himself. And i got to say, you might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later, you dance with the <laughs> reaper. Dance. Get down with your bad self. Get down with your bad self. <laughs> I love show business. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is nowhere near the level of Excellent Adventure. We did um, our top 50 movies last year. And Excellent Adventure was in my top we 10. We didn't rate um, it. And- Colin, just quickly, we didn't give our bio oh. bit of- <laughs> Well, good thing we're covering it this week. Would you buy, rent, or, or bid buy Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Buy it. Yep. Buy it. Me too. Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. The Cover first that. ever, see, <laughs> the magic of time travel. See, what we did is we're like, we forgot to rate it. We could have said, once we're done the series, let's go back in time and rate it in the past. But instead, we're lazy. We yes. just do it like this. We both buy Excellent Adventure. Okay. Cool. So, bogus journey. Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely not at the level of Excellent Adventure. Excellent Adventure made my top 10 of all time last year. Uh, I sort of set myself the rule that I wouldn't put two of one series in there. Bogus Journey wouldn't have made my top 50 even without that rule. But I still love this movie. And, and maybe it is nostalgia for me. I, I sort of discovered in the episode you're about to hear with Jamie and Rossi, they weren't as kind to the movie. Rossi, of course, you can make the argument, had never even seen, seen Excellent Adventure before. He was just sort of like, what am I watching? Uh, but I'm very curious to hear your opinions, Ben, because you watched these two movies back to back. I did. So any thoughts on Bogus Journey? Literally back to back. As soon as the first one ended, the second one started. Um, yeah, I need to listen to the full episode that we're about to listen to, I think, because uh, I might be very much on the Jamie and, uh, and Rossi page. I, oh, I didn't... I didn't. Oh, it was. There were bits that were okay, but this just went too far. I think it just went way too silly. And there was like large portions of this movie were actually kind of checked out. Like the middle part of it, I was just kind of like, I picked my phone up. I'm like, okay, sure. They're. I don't know what they're doing. I just. It didn't have the the charm and the funness of the first one to me. So, yeah. Sorry. I. I'm not a. I wasn't a huge fan of the second one, except for the Grim Reaper. He was awesome. Yeah. 
Oh, amazing. And we talk about that in the episode, too, like all of our love for the Grim Reaper, uh, who also was the villain from Die Hard 2. Yeah, um, I going to say he looked very familiar. Yeah, exactly. You can hardly tell the difference between those two movies. It's the same look. I know, right? Um, but I think this is also the episode, again, I haven't heard the whole thing in a while, but the Bogus Journey recap, where I explained to Jamie this guy had been in Die Hard, and I show him, or show her a clip of uh, Joss Ackland, the guy who plays... Uh, or was it Joss Ackland who played, um, am I getting the name right? The guy who plays the Grim Reaper? Uh, no, William Sadler. Yeah, Joss Ackland played Denomalous in the movie. Okay, Joss, so Joss William Ackland Hans. Are you talking about uh, Hans from the Mighty Ducks? Yes, he was the evil yeah, guy in Die was, Hard. One of the, oh, not Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. Lethal yeah, Weapon. He was Denomalous in uh, Bogus Journey. So lots of connections here. But he was also, uh, a, what I'm saying is he was a bad guy in Lethal Weapon. So like, they kind of have these yes. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon bad guys coming in and play yeah. people in this. So Exactly. Yeah. And and just like Stephen Herrick, everybody ends up in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Yeah. Uh, but, How is Hans yeah, a Liam... bad guy in everything else I've seen him outside of the Mighty <laughs> Ducks? This is Hans. And he's like a prick in everything else. I mean, kind of like William Sadler. You know, this is the most lovable character ever played and it's the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Uh, but William Sadler has a, a famous scene in Die Hard 2 where he's doing nude karate. Uh, and he's got quite the physique. And I think Jamie watches that clip when we're in the middle of the episode and had a new appreciation for the Green Reaper, uh, which also puts a new context on him. You know, reaping burns a lot of calories. Um, what about my butt? Uh, <laughs> you should see it. It's pretty good, actually. But anyways, I, I, I kind of get like, here's the thing. I, I get what everybody says. And when this movie originally came out, it got bad reviews. I don't. I, we probably go through the reviews on the episode. I don't know. We won't go through them all now. But I remember this is one of these things where people would talk about it as like a disappointing sequel. It did good business. It did probably about the same as the first movie. Uh, it was st- the Bill and Ted brand was still very popular, but this wasn't like the loved movie the first one was. But it's a, just like Excellent Adventure. It's one of these things where it's developed a much bigger following over time. And there is a much bigger appreciation for Bogus Journey now than there was back then. So it's interesting to hear your take about not getting as so much. I'll, I'll still argue. I think there's a lot of great things in this movie, although it is so different. This is a weird observation to make, but this is the Trolls World Tour of the <laughs> – this is from having Let's to watch Trolls movies. World Tour go, Colin. I know it's the only movie that's been released in 2020, <laughs> but come on, this gets mentioned every episode. This was literally what was on the TV when I came up here uh, to, to record in my <laughs> office. Here. We are not covering it. All right, stop hinting. Well, what, what Trolls World Tour did is that they kind of took a completely different spin on the story. So it's the same world, but it was different. And that's sort of what Bogus Journey is. Instead of time travel, it's going to be the afterlife, you know? It's very science fiction-y. It's very different. It's very dark, even though it's sillier. Uh, and and I kind of like a lot of the the absurd stuff. I mean, you know, I, I completely understand everything you're saying about what you don't like about this movie. But tell me, outside of the Grim Reaper, what you do like about the movie. It's got Keanu Reeves in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rufus is back. Pam um, Greer. Oh, yeah, Pam Greer. Can't, can't not like Pam Greer. Um... I mean, there was some funny moments. I, that's a tricky one because, like, legitimately, it just, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, that's baby it. I mean, serious. No, the robots are dumb. And, like, which I, robots? I, Both I, sets well, are dumb. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea in the story. Uh, again, how complicated this story is. It almost reads like a really complicated Twilight Zone or Doctor Who episode. You know, evil robots from the future are sent back by future's version of Hitler or Genghis Khan. Uh, to kill Bill and Ted and take their place. Uh, they do die. They go to the afterlife. They 
find a way to beat the Grim Reaper at game. Now, that must have been at least fun. Beating the Grim Reaper at Battleship and, you know, Twister and stuff. Well, you did you say, like don't that. mention the Grim Reaper. But yes, no, that bit was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two out of three. Three yeah. out of five. Colonel Master did it in the study with the candlestick. <laughs> you sunk my Battleship. It's Thomas but, Bach. Uh, Can I just say it's Thomas Bach? It, but well yeah it is you're right i never yeah. even noticed that yeah um uh, oh, oh, oh. uh, but <laughs> the the other part being you know the, they come back from the dead and they get these really cheap looking radio shack robots they make themselves like i liked all the robot stuff and i the like the way the time travel stupid. when time travel plays into you know the end of this and, and station the alien oh, I the, hate there's some fun station stupid oh Stupid. There's some fun stuff in the No. Um it is very different from the first one. Um the climax is what I think plays really well. I mean, the same as how we mentioned in Excellent Adventure, they rewrote the climax because they wanted to be bigger. In this, they actually are playing a concert. Well, how do you do this? Well, you have a battle with the good robots, the bad robots, Bill and Ted all on the stage. You have heads getting knocked off. Then you have, well, we still don't know how to play music, so they go back in time. We'll talk a little bit about that on the end of the episode about how this ending is going to factor in to face the music. But just how complicated the climax got with a crowd and everything uh, at a real concert and with all this time travel stuff. I'll go back and get this key. I'll go back and get this cage. Like uh, that, I thought there was some really creative stuff. Even though this movie is not nearly as funny as the first one, it's definitely creepier when you get into the hell sequences. Uh, would you stole Deacon's Easter basket and all that? Uh, but as far as like how the climax plays out, did you have any appreciation for all the time travel that they worked into this, and you know how the concert was pulled off? I, I mean, I like again like the references, like I mentioned in the first one, how I kind of like the going into the future and you're going to have this and you're going to have the key and all that sort of stuff. But like the only bit I liked about sort of the ending is I kind of liked all the the news clips at the end, like the newspapers and yeah. things like that. Like I thought that was funny where, um, you know, that all happened, which, again, I will be intrigued to see how that plays into the next movie. But, um, yeah, no, nah, not really. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like how I mentioned in the last episode about how you didn't have an antagonist and kind of you didn't need it. It was kind of just, you know, you had this one goal and kind of that was it. Whereas, like, this one, you kind of add it and it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to change the world and all this. I don't know. Like, it just it got a bit too, yeah, and the whole... They died. Like one, can I just point out? Like, am I jumping ahead here? Am I going to mention this after the recap? I don't know. But like, what is it? Like the famous bit here where they, when they're dead and they jump into the bodies of their dads or whatever it is. Yes, kind of. That's funny. Okay, I admit that's funny. I love that. But if they can do that, can't they just go back into their bodies that are on the ground? Yeah. Like that's right, go that was to, glaring to me. This is a plot hole. Yeah, uh, I mean, go in, maybe it needs to be a live body, but go into any other body. If they're not yeah. believing the dad, go into somebody else. I mean, uh, of course, when they they do go to the séance, uh, that they you know end up getting cursed into hell by some type of black magic spell or whatever it is. So there's some things that throw a kink in the plan. Uh, the hell sequences are definitely out there, and I think that's the one thing where I can see people's uh criticisms of this movie because it's not necessarily funny it is creepy but not in a funny way some of the stuff is actually just really bizarre like the deacon's easter basket even still gives jamie nightmares that bunny's Uh, weird that bunny's creepy oh of course it is i mean yeah i mean everything is creepy about the sequence the bunny is the real you stole deacon's easter basket is what jamie will always quote with this movie is that the one with deacon's easter basket and the easter bunny 
Um, but still, I think there's some good stuff about this movie. I mean, you'll kind of hear us breaking down everything in a few minutes without Ben, but we'll come back. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, I was that. away that day. Wasn't invited. Yeah, you were away that year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's sort of kick into the episode here. Uh, you're going to hear myself, Jamie, and Rossi. Some really great moments in this recap, despite the fact that they didn't really get the, the movie. You're going to hear references to... Bill and Ted face the music, which I the, the title may have even been known at that point. But I do remember we discussed quite a bit about this is what the third movie is supposed to be. They've been talking about this forever. We'll come back with more on that in a few minutes. We're talking about not my childhood favorite movie, but the sequel to my childhood favorite movie, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, otherwise known as Bill and Ted Die. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we are here with a full house today because um, uh, everybody wants to watch this movie and everybody wants to talk about it. Uh, of course, uh, why shouldn't they? And uh, let's just go around the table and do our introductions. I hope everybody's prepared for this. Wink, Rossi, wink. Rossi's not around the table. Whatever, the, the, the <laughs> desk, table, desk, whatever it is. Well, the only person that's around the desk is me, Jamie. All right, anyways, <laughs> my name is Colin and I totally possess my dad. And my name is Jamie, and you totally sunk my battleship. And I'm Rossi, and I'm here presenting from medieval England, Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a fun one, because um, as I mentioned, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was my childhood favorite movie. I mean, up there was Star Wars, I guess. But for a period, I mean, I just lived and breathed this when... uh, this came out. I didn't see Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Part 1 when it first came out. It was probably a year or two later, and then not long afterwards this came out. But I, I remember distinctly one summer where it was every single morning just waking up and watching this movie, or not this one, Excellent Adventure. So when Bogus Journey came out, I mean, I was very excited. So this is basically a part of my childhood, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm blind enough to uh, not admit there's some weird things about this but uh i'm sitting here with two people one of which has never seen this movie that would be rossi and actually has never seen the first one so i don't know whether that would hurt or help his judgment of this and the other one jamie who saw the first one loved it and saw the second one and told me this movie's really stupid (laughs) and tried to give me her copy that she had paid for in a bargain bin even though i already had a copy that's because i'm still deeply scarred from the traumatic event of that rabbit scaring me in my childhood it's such a creepy little thing your child your childhood so you saw this movie when you were probably 18 or 19 and it no. was a childhood fear of yours no i saw it when i was younger i have six older brothers okay well you had told me i had never seen this movie before no, I, so. I have seen it regardless you always told me it was stupid um but let's just see if any opinions changed here uh i've already kind of given my history with this childhood favorite movie remember when this first came out i'll be telling lots of stories throughout this because i'm kind of the bill and ted expert here but rossi just hit us with it what did you think of bill and ted's bogus journey um, it was interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it was a little confusing because I had no idea who these characters were. Mm-hmm. Apparently the women were from England, yeah. from medieval England, and I had no idea who they were. Apparently, were they in the last movie? They were, yeah, in the first part. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was confusing to piece together because I still haven't seen the original. Mm-hmm. Um, some characters were funny most of the characters were not <laughs> um, some of it didn't make sense some of it was pointless humor um, I mean we'll get into most of it 
Um, but yeah, it was not the most enjoyable experience. <laughs> Uh, I will say, you know, we had to do this because it was kind of the Halloween theme and it did tie into last week. And I gave Rossi my original choice of Gremlins 2. He thought looked terrifying. So he it, chose, it still does. It still, But we may still cover that if people want uh, want us to. But uh, it probably would have helped to have seen the first part. Uh, I will admit that. Just the basic rundown is in the first part, you know, you have Rufus, who is really only the opening and closing scene of this one, who comes from the future and... The idea is that Bill and Ted and their band, Wild Stallions of the Future, are basically the people who unite the world and save the world. And Rufus is sent to travel back in time because they're going to fail their history report, which, of course, there's all these you know plot holes with, well, they would have always failed their history report. But he basically is supposed to give them access to a time machine so they could learn about history and uh, pass their history report and not get split up before their band gets successful. Uh, they just travel through time in the first one, collect all these historic artifacts, or not artifacts, people, I guess, uh, like Billy the Kid and Beethoven and Socrates. Um, who else was in the first one, Jamie? Um, I Napoleon. Can't, I can't remember. Yeah, Napoleon was awesome. He was probably one of my favorites. Yeah, and in the end, they end up you know, succeeding, and then that eventually led to this sequel, where instead of just doing another time travel story, they said, let's do something completely different. Let's have Bill and Ted die. And let's have evil robots from the future. So the only things I think anybody would really need to know going into this, not that it's a little thing, is that these are two teenagers who are idiots, who have terrible musical skills, but yet are apparently the band that saves the world, and travel back in time with the assistance of Rufus, a time traveler from the future, who collect historical figures to pass a history report and thereby stay together and eventually will save the world. Not that that's not complicated at all, but this one, the only thing I guess you would really need to know is, yeah, their girlfriends, they met in uh, one of the best sequences in Excellent Adventure, uh, and of course they stay here in the future. Uh, Jamie, let's move on to you now. You knew this movie, you know the first one, you enjoy the first one. You used to tell me this movie was terrible, I caught you laughing quite a bit throughout this. Uh, has your opinion changed at all? Um, no, like... Uh... It's it's a funny movie. Uh, for some parts, I, I agree basically with what Rossi said. Like, there's not too many characters that are that funny. The death character is basically the best, mm -hmm. and some of Bill and Ted's lines are are great. I, I I don't know if they're just as funny as the first one, but just some of the lines are great. Like, you know, when they're in heaven and and they're going to meet the scientists that can help them, and they're like, catch you later, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know, it's kind of funny to me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, but the rabbit really creeped me out. Yeah. <laughs> I keep going back to that. Um, I mean, this is an interesting movie, just we're going to go through a bit of the history here on it, because I don't think they ever made the first one with intention to make a sequel. Uh, and... The funny thing is, is that the first one, I mean, you kind of look back on now and say, oh, it was a bit of an 80s hit. I mean, it was popular enough that it not only spawned this sequel, but, you know, the franchise we'll get into on the end here. It just went on and on and on. There were multiple TV shows. There were comics. I remember owning comics. I had the novelization of this. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how big of a fan I was as a kid. I bought the novel of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, but nobody really had any expectations for the first one. It became a big hit. They released this one. This one was not as big of a hit. And I think... Part of that had to do with just changing times. When the first one comes out, I think in like 1989, you know, it, it very much fit, it had that 80s feel. By 1991, when this came out, like everything had kind of changed with over the course of maybe a year. And it was just a movie maybe a year too late. And I've read several other reviews online that said the same thing. It was a movie just maybe a little bit too late. Uh, but 
the most exciting thing is we're going to get on the end here about the uh, proposed Bill and Ted 3, which is still in the works. Uh, Bill and Ted, of course, are played by Alex Winter. Who doesn't love Alex Winter here? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to kind of make jokes here because does anybody know who Alex Winter is outside of Bill and Ted? Uh, but uh, the other guy, Keanu Reeves, maybe one of the biggest movie stars to ever live. Woo! That's the reason Jamie's on this episode. If you listened to the end of our Clue episode last week, um, was that you know Jamie's a big Keanu Reeves fan, and I can convince her to watch anything if Keanu Reeves is in it. Uh, Rossi, are you a fan of Keanu Reeves, or do you have any knowledge of who Alex Winter is? Um, I did look up who Alex Winter was, and he has not done much since this. The only thing that was notable was possibly the third movie, yeah. but um. And I genuinely don't have much knowledge of Keanu Reeves either. So, are you serious? Yeah, I don't know if we uh, can be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Winter kind of transitioned. I remember even the time Bill and Ted came out. You know, I would find any newspaper article or magazine about Bill and Ted, and you know, try to read up on it. And even at that time, Alex Winter was saying, you know, I don't really want to be an actor. I want to be a director. And that's basically what his career has become. He's you know, a uh, big TV director and stuff like that. And um, he worked you know writing some stuff too uh but yeah keanu reeves one of the biggest movies i was like have you seen the matrix you know the matrix existence right rossi yeah i forgot i i, I like have seen it so long ago that i forgot that he was in it but yeah you forgot keanu it. reeves was in the matrix well i don't like the matrix that's another story okay i mean i don't like the matrix <laughs> two or three but i'll agree with those not the first one um yeah it's it's still fun though because keanu reeves he was kind of plagued by this role for years you know, the the dumb, uh, what would even be the way to describe him? Airhead, I guess. Uh, California Airhead. Uh, and so many people had trouble taking him seriously for so long. Because I guess even in every other role, I mean, I kind of have always pointed out that no matter what movie you're watching, Keanu Reeves has a Ted moment in it, you know? And even there's that one moment in The Matrix where Morpheus jumps oh. between buildings and he just goes, whoa. Like, it's, it's such a Ted moment. It's just, I think there's a lot of, that's the way Keanu Reeves is. But Keanu Reeves is, like, a pretty intelligent guy and took him a long time to shake this. So uh, I always kind of believe that he looked back on this a little bit embarrassed. And it's only in recent years as they're talking about Bill and Ted 3 and he has no need to ever go back to a franchise like this. And he's all excited about it. I realize Keanu Reeves really loves this. And I think both of these guys, the chemistry they have together is fantastic. But then, of course, we get other characters that are introduced in this one as well. And uh, like the first one was mostly made up with um, Bill Ted and then a little bit of Rufus, who's their mentor time traveler. Uh, and then they had all the historical figures. Here they kind of collect people from the afterlife. So uh, I think we've already gotten opinions on who the best character in this movie is. Uh, pretty much hands down, we agree it's the Grim Reaper. Death. What? Oh. Uh, Jamie sorry. was looking at a picture of Keanu Reeves that's on the computer screen. Right I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you wanted me to answer something. I was so distracted by his beautifully, you know, cut up face from John Wick. Um, <clears throat> death was the best character. Is that yes, what we're talking death, about? Yes, death was the best character. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. So don't, in, don't fear the Reaper. In this movie, it's going to start out like your typical Bill and Ted movie. It's going to transition. But let's jump into it here. So much like the first movie, it starts out with a scene from the future, uh, which we will eventually be introduced to Rufus, but this is Bill and Ted University. So this is what the future is. It's a complete parody uh, where in the future, this band has just somehow miraculously united the world and given them everything that they ever needed and everybody lives in peace. 
Uh, so at Bill and Ted University, we have Professor Rufus show up in his time machine, which is the same phone booth from the first movie. Uh, and he brings out, you know, their panel of educational figures here for history class, which is uh, Thomas Edison, Bach, uh, Jim Martin from Faith No More. <laughs> and uh, I think the name was Rhea Paschal, which I remember I memorized what this was when I was a kid. The inventor of the stachyphonic oxygenic hypophonographical fauna delivery. I think I butchered it there. Stachyphonic oxygenic amplifiographical fauna delivery. Okay. Anybody going to correct me on that one? I have no idea. It sounds about right, though. All right. Uh, and then, of course, class is disrupted because Denomalous, a.k.a. future Hitler. Uh, a.k.a. St- future husband of Missy. Husband of Missy, yes. <laughs> Another joke that you'd get more if you saw the first one. Uh, shows up, and uh, he's basically introducing us that he's going to go back in time, and he's going to destroy Bill and Ted forever so that the future can be built around him and not this stupid band as he saw it uh and he introduces robot evil bill and ted so this movie not only has real bill and ted it has two evil robot bill and ted's and it will get even crazier from there and evil robot bill and ted are exactly the same as the original uh they you know have some technology some ways they can communicate through time which i don't really understand uh they're made of metal which they make constant jokes about (laughs) heavy metal jokes and uh, then we go back to introduce to the real Bill and Ted. So this is where the plot really starts. The evil robot Bill and Ted's are coming from the future. <laughs> and they have robot chubbies. They, yeah, we'll get into the <laughs> robot chubbies in a minute. And uh, I just think that's the most <laughs> hilarious word for like, you know, like a, what's the... Erection. <laughs> that's hilarious too. <laughs> Chubby. Jamie's replacing Chubby erection. dong as the inappropriate word on the Oz Network. <laughs> So Bill and Ted, we're now five years, they say, into the future. So technically, considering the first movie, even though it came out in 89, it actually starts by saying San Dimas, California, 1988. Uh, It's actually now five years later, so this should be 1993, I guess. But they're auditioning for the Battle of the Bands, which is uh, what this entire history-changing event's around. And they're still terrible. So five years later, despite the fact they ended the last movie saying maybe we should learn how to play, uh, they're still the world's worst band you have Mrs. Wardrobe there, who's the uh, one, I guess, picking the bands. Is she saying, like, you guys suck. I'll give you a chance, though. I'll put you on last. The girls can play. And he's, the line Rossi was talking about, uh, where they're saying, well, girls mature faster than guys. And then Ted's like, yeah, I mean, they started in the 15th century. And then he's like, shut up, Ted. It's like, uh, I mean, they're from medieval England. Shut up, Ted. Medieval England, Iowa. <laughs> so there's... Some funny moments here, and then of course they get in the Battle of Bands, but they throw the 521st birthday party for Elizabeth and Joanna, the princesses from medieval times. And uh, at the birthday party, we're met with Ted's dad, who is married to Missy. Now, Rossi, the joke here is that in the first movie, this girl Missy was married to Bill's dad, which they reference here, uh, but that she's only like three or four years older than them. So there's constant jokes where they're checking her out, and it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you're checking out your mom. And then it's like, shut up, Ted. And it's like, remember when I asked Ted's like, remember when I asked your mom to the prom? But here she just jumps husbands and now she's with Ted's dad. Quickly, we're introduced to another character that was mentioned in the first one. This is probably getting even more confusing for Rossi. Now he actually thinks there's a real plot here. Um, Colonel Oates from Oates Military Academy. <laughs> the way that uh, they were going to be broken up in the first movie was that Ted was going to be sent to military school. Now we actually meet this guy, and this is all going to come up later. 
And then, of course, there's a, a quick joke there with the Missy thing where uh, it's like, uh, yeah, maybe you'll marry her next, and then, uh, yeah, then you'll be your own stepdad. Uh, maybe we'll just finish off there, or let's just lump it there since not much to talk about other than how funny their rambling is when they're proposing to the girls with their cheap... Uh, what are those things called? Like where you put a quarter in, you get a plastic ring out? Um, <clears throat> dollar store rings? Yeah, when you when you put a quarter in, they call it a dollar or something. Okay. Is Rossi still there? Is Rossi still there? Or are you just Is lost? it mood rings? Oh. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe it was a mood ring. I just think it looked like something you get out of like a vending machine. That's well, what I was like. women for. are moody, so maybe it's what it's called. <laughs> she said it, not us. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, they propose, and uh, there's a funny speech there where they're going on about all the creatures, the various beasts, bears, blowfish, catfish. Oh no, wait, that's freshwater. Uh, Rossi, I'll let you start off there, the entire opening of the movie. Tell me of anything I'm missing there, and what are you thinking at this point? Um, I was okay with the movie up until this point. Like, I, I thought it was, like, I wrote down, all I wrote for the note, for my notes were the quotes that I enjoyed. It's like there's going to be no story to this, so I don't need to pay, pay attention to the plot. <laughs> um, considering we went from one of the most plot intense movies, yeah, last week to this, it's like I don't need to pay attention. So all I wrote down were the quotes, and you mentioned it—the quote about being your own stepdad. That was so funny. Um, mostly, like I didn't think it was that confusing. I feel like I'm now more confused after you explain who I these figured. characters are. Um, <laughs> I think the knowing about who the military guy was was more helpful because that makes sense. But, like, not much. I thought it was weird that they're this supposed to be, like, you told me that there were the band about the future thing and the, la- like, in their off recordings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then they, like, suck. And I was, like, really confused. Some of it didn't make sense, but I was like, it doesn't need to make sense. This um, is basically dude where's my car with time travel. I mean <laughs> I was like thinking that like that's what it felt like. Yeah. And I, I was all I was thinking in the beginning when they were in the future when the when they bring out all these like Beethoven or no Bach and whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder where these costumes are sitting. Are they in some like storage shed in California or something? Just like draped over and whatever. Like neglected. That was, that's what I was thinking of. But <laughs> you're wondering about the costume design of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which, funny well, enough, what, what's happened too. to them? Whatever like, happened to the costumes from Bill and Ted? Yeah, are they, are they just hanging in some like workplace in oh. some California workshop or something? Like, you would love watching Excellent Adventure now, having seen this, because it's all historical figures. So you get tons of period costumes. I don't know if that's more exciting to you. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add? Birthday party. Who's oh oh five hundred twenty first? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was fine. I thought it was weird that they said, "Will you marry us?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What?" I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or if that was just like they're stupid. So, haha. Like, I, I didn't get what it was, but I thought it was it was all right. There are at least a couple of jokes in this movie that I'm not sure if they're jokes or it's some in reference, and maybe we'll get to those later on. Jamie, your turn. Uh, opening section of this movie. Uh, it's been a long time since you've seen this. Did you remember any of this? And uh, talk about all those futuristic costumes that you were obsessing over. I actually, um, I remembered the second part of the uh, uh, movie more than the first part. But um, 
I, I thought that it was good. Um, the one thing that I'm going to complain about for the whole movie, though, not just for the first part, is that uh, Keanu Reeves is wearing way too many clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, Rossi did way, way more than even I did. I Like, all the podcasts I've recorded with You've you... You've never taken a no, note down. No, I've never taken any notes down, so it's kind of just always, like, whatever I remember, which I'm really taking a gamble because I can't remember much, but... Yeah, you have a terrible memory. But, no, like, it was it was great. I thought that the Roberts were funny and... The Ropers? Uh, what? The, the they robots. Were the robots, okay. <laughs> ...were funny. And when they uh, came in and they're talking to the girls and... and they're like, get up uh, or whatever. And then they're like, you better put out or whatever. Uh, well, you're skipping to like halfway through the movie. Or I thought we were talking about the half. <laughs> first half of the movie. See, you've already forgotten what we're talking about. No, just up until the proposal. And anyways, I, I thought that the effects that they had for the robots were cool though too. Like when they were introducing them in the first part when Denominal. Mm-hmm. Denominal. Yeah, that guy. When he uh, was uh, invading their school area there and the robots like kind of took the skin off their face i thought that was really cool yeah and i thought that actually was pretty forward probably for the time i don't know yeah well i mean the first movie you can look at the effects and some of it looks cool in an 80s way but i mean it's very clearly 80s effects uh and they even use some stock footage of some scenes just because the budget was slow the budget was definitely higher on this one and i think when we get to station later on that's some cool effects there well i think the budget should be lower so that he can't wear as many clothes okay jamie well (laughs) let's talk about the other clothes because i mean that whole like scene at the beginning was so gross though with all the like i was so grossed out when they like took off their skin wow you really get grossed out easily we should have done gremlins too oh no i don't know i just thought that was so gross that they're peeling their faces off i don't know i just thought it was weird Mm -hmm. have you ever watched like jeepers creepers no you'd probably be horrified just out of curiosity, let's go around the table. This is Halloween month, and we have basically just covered funny stuff. We have not covered any real horror. Uh, but what is the, not even your favorite, but what is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Jamie. Oh, that's a really good question. You ask me first. Uh, You're probably going to say Prometheus. <laughs> no, like, that's honestly, like, I don't know what it is, but, like, your typical horror movies are things that you can consider scary like even the exorcist that type of stuff it doesn't freak me out nearly as much as those prometheus alien movies with them exploding from your stomach and stuff that's so creepy but is that the scariest movie you've ever seen or can you think of something that scared you more uh honestly that's probably the scariest movie ever when i was a kid what scared me the most was chucky i was horrified of dolls for ages but i mean now it's no big deal it's hilarious they're funny to watch but (laughs) I was going to ask, does it comfort you that the last couple of Child's Play Chucky movies have filmed entirely in Winnipeg and that you know that Chucky is within city limits every couple of years? Yeah, but they're like funny movies. They're not meant to be scary. The last one ever since, what is it, The Bride of Chucky? That was the first funny one? I don't, I I, I thought they were all funny. That's just me though. No. Uh, yeah, it honestly would probably be like those alien movies that'd probably be the scariest thing for me. Rossi, is there a particular movie that scares you more than others? I don't watch many scary movies, like horror movies, mm-hmm. typically. Um, so I, out of the ones I've seen, like the scariest was probably like Alien. See? I'm not weird. Well, you are kind of because you watched Alien with me and were fine with it. And then you watched Prometheus and you were covering your eyes. It was just, I don't know, it was just, it bothered me. It made me feel uneasy. 
Mine's kind of a weird one, and it's going to be the, the most obscure reference ever. Uh, I'll just start by saying I mentioned this on other podcasts. Really, there's nothing that scares me. I mean, I'm not saying, hey, I'm fearless. I'm, I'm saying as far as movies go, I kind of just approach them differently. I don't look at them getting into the stories. I, I just look at it as like, well, I wonder how they made this. Uh, but there was one movie with Richard Gere called The Mothman Prophecies. I've never seen it. I know you haven't. It's Maybe we should do an anniversary month of The Mothman Prophecies, a bonus episode. Who knows? But movie came out like I think 15 years ago or something. And there was just something, it's not like, you know, your jump scare movie, it's not your gross out horror, it was just really eerie and uh, kind of confusing, and most people don't consider it a great movie, but it probably didn't help that I saw that, I think, at a midnight show, and then I walked home. <laughs> nice burp yeah, recovery sorry. there. Jeez, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you pig. Um, <laughs> but I walked home, and it was like, it wasn't, it would be different if you walked down residential areas, but when you're walking and there's basically no houses around... It's a little bit eerie. So something about that movie was always unsettling for me. But uh, no, nothing really scary other than that, except for maybe the Easter basket stuff that's going to come up. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like when the rabbit's taunting him and he's like, you took Deacon's Easter basket. Yeah. It was so creepy for me when I was a kid. Do you want to just talk about the end of the movie while we're here? Or do you want to wait until we get to those parts? So creepy. (laughs) So creepy. Um... So, very quickly, evil robot Bill and Ted, they land at the Circle K, which this is a bit of a throwback to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure when Rufus landed right in front of Bill and Ted at the Circle K, and he had that line, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Uh, and they, they're aiming for a cat, which comes up a couple of times later on, showing how sadistic these evil robot Bill and Ted's are. Uh, and then they have uh, Bill and Ted, as they're saying goodbye to the girls, and they have this comment about, uh, you know, maybe one of these days our girlfriends will actually sleep over. Our girlfriends are most chaste. And then it says, yeah, but at least they're not dating our dads. <laughs> uh, and they get in the house and then immediately uh, their girlfriends are on the phone. It's like, how did you call us so fast? And it's basically evil, evil robot Bill and Ted breaking up with Bill and Ted. They, they have this master plan to get them and kill them. And I don't know why it needed to be that they needed their girlfriends to break up with them. Well, I guess they kind of just needed to lure them away, but it wouldn't have been that hard. They're dumb. Uh, they break up with Bill and Ted or Bill and Ted break up with Bill and Ted posing as their girlfriends and uh, they sit down and they watch Star Trek now uh, I have never seen every episode of Star Trek but I think this is a famous episode of Star Trek uh, and the location I think is what was cool and uh, this location Rossi did you even catch that the episode they're watching the location that you see that they go to when they kill Bill and Ted later on I saw that, like I saw the parallel, but I was more confused. I was like, is that an episode they made for the show? Like, was that an episode of Star Trek? Yeah, that it was, was like... a real episode. And I guess they said, oh, hey, okay. when they were making movies, said, hey, let's go to this location. And then when they went to the location, say, hey, let's duplicate the shot. But yeah, I was yeah, just always wondering if nice. anybody caught that. Because I saw this as a kid and it probably took like about 10 times before I caught, wait, I think this is the same place they're watching on TV. I mean, they kind of spell it out, like, for the adult, like, for any adult that would be watching, they kind of, like, yeah, for any adult. explicitly show the exact same thing, like, the same exact shot, like, the camera pans the same way, like. Yeah, not children, because children are dumb, as we're learning. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, evil robot Bill and Ted show up at depressed, real Bill and Ted's house, and uh, they're basically saying, you know, we, we're going to take you to the girls, I think they said. They could have just gotten a follow. This is... Again, a bit of a joke because in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 
when Rufus is trying to tell them, hey, I have this time machine, they're like, well, how can we trust this guy? And then Bill and Ted from about two days later come back and meet Bill and Ted at the beginning of their excellent adventure and say, you know, hey, you need to trust this guy. So this is like, they're just like, hi, how's it going, Bill? Hey, how's it going? Ted? Like, they're just old friends or whatever. Uh, they lure them into a van, <laughs> drive them out to the middle of the desert, and this is where they turn on them. So evil robot Bill and Ted become evil robot Bill and Ted. And when they're basically saying, like, you know, it's, it's cold back here. Can we get some heat? They're like, shut up, losers. <laughs> and then my, one of my favorite lines of the movie is just the sincerity that they deliver it with, where Ted says, Bill, that other you is a real jerk. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I got to remember to be more considerate towards myself when I become him. <laughs> so they get them out of the van. They say, well, the girls aren't here, but we're totally going to kill you. You know, they take them up to the top of the cliff. They drop them off the cliff. Bill and Ted are dead. Um, not after they hawk loogies on each other. And uh, we're introduced to the Grim Reaper. So we'll just, uh, I guess, cover this first Grim Reaper scene here. Because here is the star of the movie. Uh, oh, he's awesome. He's yeah. so good. And and the way that he's introduced, it's great. It's like, Ted, it's the Grim Reaper, dude. Oh, how's it hanging, death? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't even They're care. They're always so formal. Um I, I want to start by saying William Sadler, who plays the Grim Reaper, I had never seen him anything before this because I was a kid, but, you know, Rossi and I were talking about Die Hard last week, and he has a Die Hard connection because, I don't know, Rossi, you said you're a fan of Die Hard. Have you seen the other movies in the franchise or just the first one? No, I've seen them all. I just, I can't, I can't place who the guy was, though, Yeah, he's in the, the movie. He's the villain in Die Hard. So the guy who plays Death is William Sadler, who plays the villain in Die Hard 2. And I think the most famous scene of him is uh, when he's introduced. He's watching news in a hotel, his hotel room, and he's completely nude doing some type of yoga or martial art yoga or something like that. And I even told Jamie, I'm like, you wouldn't believe it because he's got these baggy robes. Like, he has, like, one of the most ripped physiques you've ever seen. Uh, Jamie couldn't have cared less. She's more interested in Keanu Reeves having too much clothes on. Uh, yeah. But anyways, William Sadler is amazing. I think he's going to be our main talking point here. Uh, just how serious he is and he transitions to getting really goofy like it doesn't start right away Bill and Ted basically you know say you know uh, can you bring us back to life he goes you can challenge me to a contest Uh, you know what if we win Uh, it's like nobody's ever won hey we gotta ditch this guy they give him a wedgie which I guess in 1991 or 1988 or wherever was called a Melvin uh, which becomes something why are you looking up topless men on your oh you're looking up William Sadler shirtless no, see, I'll, I'll pull it up on the computer while we're talking here, Jamie. <laughs> Rossi, can you, do you believe these are the things that go on when we record every episode? Yes. Yeah, well, I think Ben's not <laughs> surprised either. Um, Keanu Reeves is like the star of my Pinterest man candy board. <laughs> which is not the first time that's been mentioned on here either. Uh, yeah, so... Let's just cover it. Rossi, I'll let you talk first as I show Jamie what I'm talking about here. But there's some really nice pictures of him in his underwear. <laughs> okay, anyways, Rossi, let's go through that uh, uh, next section there. The death of Bill and Ted and the introduction of the Grim Reaper. Um, yeah, I thought it was weird. I was really confused about the whole thing. Like when they, I was like, oh, they actually did die. I was really confused because I was expecting like some sort of really stupid like time wormhole to like open up and yeah. they were saved and they fell through this hole and they landed safely or something. 
I was kind of shocked that they actually did them. <laughs> die. Like I was not expecting them to die. So credit to the movie for not, you know, for throwing me off my game. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was, I don't know. I thought it was weird that they were like all of a sudden able to possess people and like, you know, scare people. And we got one of the worst like effects in the entire movie when they were at their girlfriend's place. And the girls just walked right through them. Oh yeah! So <laughs> like I've never seen any effect like look worse. Like I saw the green of the green screen; it was so bad. Um, I don't know. There wasn't really much happening except that they like. Is this where they like, like punch the the Grim Reaper guy and then run away or yeah, something? Yeah, that's basically what we're up to. That was, yeah, that was funny too. Like I just thought it was, it was a weird bunch of segments like that happened here well i'm i'm glad you kind of brought up the fact they really killed them too because this movie i mean it was different in 1991 there wasn't youtube or whatever and plus i was a kid i wasn't you know just you know staying up around the clock waiting for uh trailers to come on tv or whatever but i mean i heard about this movie you know just people would say oh they're making a villain ted too and you see posters when you go to the theater or whatever uh, but I don't even remember ever seeing a trailer for this. I just remember seeing TV spots when it was maybe two weeks before it came out. So I knew nothing about this. The only thing I knew was that people would say before it came out, Bill and Ted are going to die in this movie. And I tried to figure out what that even meant. And when you see the trailers, I looked at the trailers yesterday, even that, it kind of presents it as like, well, are they really dead? Or you know, is it some type of weird sci-fi explanation? But it's kind of a clever idea to kill the main characters and have them actually going through the afterlife in this one as opposed to just a time travel storyline uh and it's a bit darker than you expect them to go but i mean i always i always like that this movie took a completely different direction from the first even though it feels like the same movie what i'm supposed <laughs> to say something again i don't know you're part of the conversation i, was just I don't want to interrupt people and be rude i took I want... pictures off the screen thinking that you would pay more attention i want people to like me okay yeah. um the, the the whole sequence we talked about there the death of bill and ted death yeah i thought it, i thought it was actually really cool by the way um their their makeup that they had on the their face i thought it was very clear that they were actually supposed to be dead because mm-hmm. they didn't change anything else around them, really, like for the color. Well, I think they did change the color for. I mean, it's it's yeah. I kind of get what you mean. They made them look black and white, and everything else just looks faded. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. so much makeup, more just uh, an effect, an optical effect. But yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I liked it. Well, am I glad I picked this movie this week? Lots <laughs> of opinions. We're talking about I death. Wa- so I, what about death? I watched it for Keanu Reeves, and then the death guy was like the funniest, most entertaining part of it. Come on. Okay. Well, I mean, we haven't gotten much death at this point, but I did show you the video, his martial arts yoga naked from Die Hard Two. Um, anything you, you want to comment on that? Let's you, let's talk about since Keanu Reeves has a shirt on up. for this whole movie. Shut up. Let's talk about somebody else who's shirtless, William Sadler. Okay. Well, the guy himself isn't particularly attractive in the face but i mean everything from the neck down looks nice (laughs) and bill and ted came like a year later so i mean he's kind of on a roll i guess at this point uh it's probably where his role ended he he probably has a role in that video all right (laughs) he has a robot chubby okay (laughs) uh so bill and ted they run away from the grim reaper and they start making their way back to the city. Uh, the evil robot Bill and Ted decide not to take the van. They stole a Porsche. 
so the first place that Bill and Ted go is they show up at the police station. So Ted's dad was uh, the, I don't think he was the chief of police. He's like the captain or he's a captain or something like that. Yeah. And he's holding just a briefing here with all the police officers. And this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie where it's not even Bill and Ted that are the stars. And this is Ted's dad and whoever it is that plays the, uh, uh, the other guy here, uh, the co-captain or whatever. So they're like, we got to figure out how to, you know, get word to the princesses and all that. And they figure, well, let's possess my dad. He's a police officer. People will listen to a police officer. So Ted jumps off of a desk, ghost Ted, uh, possesses his dad, which I just have to say, the guy who plays his dad, I don't even know this actor's name, nor do I know if I've seen him in anything else. He gives the most incredible Keanu Reeves impression here. It's, it, it, you could just imagine that if, if Keanu Reeves was wearing a costume of an old man, this would have been Keanu Reeves. Like, it's absolutely incredible the way that he delivers his lines and how he gets it. But we get some of the fun lines. You're like, I totally possess my dad. And when they do the air guitar and Bill's is a regular air guitar and then the dad's is like some folksy, uh, what are you doing, Jim? I'm not even <laughs> going to tell people what you're doing right now. <laughs> you just focus. I'm sorry. I don't have ADHD. <laughs> Rossi, I wonder if you often do things like in the middle of episodes and just completely tune out. Uh, <laughs> If we had a camera, would we be seeing anything odd that shouldn't be mentioned on the air? Um, just uh, disinterested look. Okay. <laughs> Which I assume is probably your regular look most of the time. Am I right on that? It's accentuated because of the movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get to some of the really good stuff here. I'm not on video, right? No, you're not on video. <laughs> she, she had this really worried look on her face there for a second. Um... <laughs> But anyways, so they, they possess no, the dad. Like, You're not on video. Just let me finish the episode. Now you embarrass me. <laughs> I, I was it's just, not like she was picking her nose, people. I wasn't picking up my nose. I was looking at my... <laughs> I was looking at my boobs. <laughs> don't. You don't have to mention it on air. Do you want me to edit that part out or do you want me to keep this in the episode? I'm totally confused. I, I don't care. I'm just, I'm just distracted. <laughs> As long as there's no video. <laughs> Anyways, go oh, on with the episode. <laughs> so it gets better where even though Ted's dad does like the best Ted impression ever, uh, when Bill jumps into the co-captain, that, that guy's just not even trying at all. He's like, I totally believe you, dude. <laughs> and then when they're just uh, like, I don't think they believe us. Well, let's try something as they walk out. Catch you later, cop dudes. And you just hear the guys kind of like mock them. Yeah, catch you later. Uh, when they walk out, they leave their dads or the dad and the other guy and they're just completely lost. Uh, so the next thing they do is they show up at a seance and this is where Missy is. There's really no other point other than the joke of Missy marrying everybody. There's no other point to Missy being in this movie. There certainly isn't a, uh, a point to her being in this scene other than we've got the actress back. Let's to, use to, her. To look down her shirt. To look down her shirt, basically. Yeah, which Wait. is what Jamie was just doing. <laughs> That's what she it was. She was recreating the scene. Yeah, exactly. She's starting to mime everything here. Yeah, I was doing it subconsciously. She's going to be knowing. giving herself a Melvin by the end of this episode. Oh my goodness. You, okay, I wanted to actually ask you guys, do you know what that even is? I, it's I, a wedgie. Is it? Okay. Well, what else do you think they do when they yank up their underwear and they go, oh. Well, I don't know. I thought it was like a, a wedgie maybe on like 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 the dick side. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so... Jamie again was probably staring at something else, either a shirtless man or her own chest, when <laughs> I had the line not even three minutes ago where I said 
they give death a Melvin, which I guess was the 1988 or 1991 slang for a wedgie. No, I know, but it was just, it's so weird. And I i thought that they, they pulled it. Oh, no, wait, I guess that would make sense. Because I, I thought people gave wedgies like in the butt, but they pulled it in the front. Yeah, um, Rossi, I'm going to give you a chance to contribute here. Uh, I just posted something in our chat there. Do you want to just contribute? Since you're like the research guy, give us the definition of what Melvin is. So I'm reading this thing? You can read it, yes. Is some, a Melvin, in air quotes, is something, in air quotes, given to nerds, also known as a wedgie, where someone's underwear is pulled up from behind, well higher than the waist of their pants. Now do you understand what a Melvin is? I get it. I had, you know, I have seven brothers, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Um, so the seance... One bit of trivia here. The two writers of this movie, uh, Solomon and Matheson, who wrote the first part and this part, they cameo right here as the two men at the seance. And I just think the seance is hilarious that uh, they're just asking, who do you want to meet? Uh, who do you want us to call forward? And they're mentioning people like, you know, Gandhi and whatever. And what were some of the other ones? Jane Clark Gable. And then the one lady's just all excited. President Chester A. Arthur. Wasn't one of them like Celine Dion? No, none of them were Celine Dion. Oh. <laughs> there was Charlemagne in there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, what it was. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, oh, Celine Dion probably wasn't even a star at this point. Maybe just becoming a star, I don't know. Yeah. Um, probably known in parts of Canada, nowhere else. Why are we talking about Celine Dion? Ben's not even on this episode and we're talking about Celine Dion. She's really gross. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Your heart will not go on, sorry. <laughs> Rossi, you're the only American contributor here. Uh, who is President Chester A. Arthur? I have no idea. Was it, I'm assuming not. Is that a, was that a president? Well, I'm, I'm guessing because they call him President Chester A. Arthur. Do you want to do some research? Well, what if he was the president of I don't know a, a pharmaceutical company? Like I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll find out who Chester. A. I actually Arthur totally. Is. I I totally oh. thought that Rossi was from like Vancouver or something. <laughs> Rossi, are you anywhere near Vancouver? <laughs> um. I'm on the same continent as Vancouver. <laughs> as are we, Jamie. Uh, oh. <laughs> look at that. We're pretty much living in the same place. You can send okay. me like cool flavors of stuff from the States. <laughs> or we can get it ourselves when we go there in three weeks. <laughs> uh, president Chester A. Arthur was the, the 21st. Yeah, yeah, 21st U.S. president who died in 1886. So, so What did he die of? I want to know, are, um, they, are they calling up, you know, somebody who died of a tragic death here? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, death, 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 death. He became seriously ill, and on November 6th, uh, he ordered his things to be burned. He suffered cerebral hemorrhage and never regained consciousness. So what? How many presidents are they up to now? Like, what is what? Is, what number is Trump? Rossi, what number is Trump? He's like forty-five. Huh. Yeah, so like forty-five presidents. Interesting. Yeah. So glad we talked about the presidents of the United States here. Uh, so at the seance, um, they uh, basically start swirling around as ghosts. It's like uh, Bill and Ted. Bill Art. It's like uh, his most excellent friend, Bill. We're murdered, and uh, Missy just gets the idea. This is an evil spirit. She pulls out the what was it called? The the book of forbidding spirits or something like that. And they cast a spell. 
which I believe the trivia for this is something like it's another reference to Chris Matheson, Ed Solomon. It's something like Chris and Ed rule the world pronounced backwards or something like that. Uh, so if anybody wanted to tag the end of this episode or uh, send us the clip of this, uh, let's just play it backwards maybe and we'll hear Chris and Ed rule the world. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, so they end up getting sucked into a vortex and they fall all the way to eternity. So we'll leave all the stuff after that as one grouping. Uh, the possession scene and the seance scene. Rossi, anything you want to add on these? Are you enjoying the movie a little bit more or are you just even more confused here? Um, I thought the seance scene was fine. It was completely unnecessary. It was just there for the cameo, the, the writers or whatever. Um, but I thought it was fine. Like... But it it was like no movement in the movie at this point. Like nothing had changed. Like they died and they're still around. They haven't gone to heaven yet to figure out what they're gonna do. Like yeah. there was no like story movement. So I mean it was kind of boring, but like honestly these scenes were probably better than some of the later ones, so <laughs> oh, I love the second I actually prefer the second half of this movie to the first half, but maybe we'll cover that later. Uh Jamie. Um I thought, like, them falling and stuff well, like we'll that. Well, we'll cover that next, so... That's what you were just talking about. I said we'll stop before we get to them falling. I was just going <laughs> to say... Seance, I was just going to say that's the way that I feel about what we're doing. I feel like it's forever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk about the falling scene then, okay? Um, Bill and Ted fall, and it's just them screaming as they fall in this dark hole. Is one of, is one of my favorite parts the one where they actually are playing games with death? Is that later? Yes. Oh. Uh... Okay, you're annoying. Stop it. <laughs> and they get so bored of falling, like this is a really deep hole, which is again one of my favorite scenes in the movie here. And then they're eventually just floating as they go further and further. It's like you want to play twenty questions, and of course the twenty. Uh, it's just this absurd thing where maybe Bill and Ted are somehow brilliant. He goes, are you a mineral? Yeah. Are you a tank? And he gets it right away. <laughs> it's just a tank. And I don't understand if it's just some in-joke or it's just saying, well, they're secretly brilliant that they can do 20 questions and get it on the first try. Uh, they eventually land in hell and they're floating around in what looks like a mining colony, you know, from some alien world. And they're saying, well, where are we? It's like, I think we're in hell. We totally got lied to by our album covers. <laughs> And they see the devil, they get his attention, and he starts luring them towards him. They start realizing he's about to throw them into a furnace or something. Uh, so they climb up, and there is a deleted scene, which appears in the trailers here, uh, where the the devil's like dangling a rat or something like that in front of them. And I, I'm sure there was no point to it being in the movie. Uh, but they end up, you know, going through this uh, gauntlet where... You're not sure what it is. There's all these different tunnels. They go into the first one, and then Colonel Oates is there. So this is the military academy guy we had earlier. And uh, one of my favorite lines of the movie is when they give, he says, get down and give me infinity, and they start giving the push-ups. And they're, of course, terrified of this guy, and he's like, I don't think I could do infinity push-ups. He goes, maybe he'll let them do us, or maybe he'll let us do them girly style. Uh, they eventually bail on him. Just like They're very good at bailing on people in this movie. They're just good at bailing in general. Yeah. Bill and Ted run out. They're like, well, maybe we should split up. So they split up, and Bill goes into one room, and it's a birthday party. And it's just, the way it's presented is so eerie. It just looks bizarre. It looks creepy. It looks like something out of your nightmare. There is some clever stuff in this movie. 
And you just see his hideous-looking grandmother, which was played by Alex Winter as well. He played his own grandmother here. But it's Bill as a kid. So now it's like some repressed memory of this terrifying grandmother asking for a kiss. Uh, And then you cut to Ted's, and it's, again, a very eerie-looking house, and there's a kid version of Ted. And it's Easter morning, and he sees, you know, this basket full of chocolate. He starts eating all of it. And then the Easter bunny shows up. Now, this is Jamie's real-life nightmare. A talking Easter rabbit... Rabbit? Rabbit shows up and starts saying, You stole Deacon's Easter basket! It's just that the eyes and the voice on the thing was creepy. <laughs> it's like, burn it with fire. Like, <laughs> like kill it. Seriously. Um, it's in hell for a reason. It's terrifying. <laughs> Rossi, which was more terrifying? The Easter Bunny or Bill's grandma? Okay, can you please just reference it by Easter Bunny Demon? <laughs> What was more terrifying, Easter Bunny Demon or Bill's grandmother? It was close. It's a, it's a really tough competition to determine what's worse. I think I was more creeped out by the bunny, the bunny demon. Mm-hmm. But I was more like grossed out at the grandma scenes. That was just like creepy and like pervy. And it was just weird. Uh, I know. I, she, I didn't like she, either. she needs a wax job on her lip, hey? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Her her lip hair is like longer than my eyebrows. It's disgusting. Uh, did you have your own like terrifying childhood thing? Was it a grandmother? Was it uh, an evil rabbit? Rossi, do you have? Can you share with us here for Halloween month any terrifying experiences you had as a child? Um, it wasn't as a child, but it was more recently. I had to watch this movie. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jamie, what was like your worst uh, memory as a child, your your childhood fear? Uh, I wouldn't really call it a fear, but it was one of the things that stuck out um, for me is I was playing and I had this like, um, I don't know how you'd describe it, I guess like a chest with a lid on it. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you spilling your water? Why is it funny? Because you... Ten minutes ago, we're staring at your own chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay, that is. You're funny. talking about a different kind of chest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, a chest with a lid on it. Now I get why that's funny. Okay, <coughs> and so I had books and stuff in there, but it was pretty much empty because being a kid, I took out everything that I wanted to play with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took out everything I wanted to play with. <laughs> I'm just taking myself into a deeper hole. Okay, um, and so anyway, so I crawled in there uh, in the chest. <laughs> And I uh, accidentally had uh, had the top fall, and it was one of those that um, it had like the you could basically lock it if you wanted to, like a latch. It, it had a latch there, and so obviously then if you did fall inside, it would be harder to um, harder to actually open it up. And so I remember I was just absolutely terrified because I fell into this chest, and I was kicking and, and trying to punch and stuff like that to get out of it and I was screaming for probably like a good five minutes before my mom actually came and got me out of it and then she got me something to drink and she was hugging me <laughs> it was pretty traumatic I love that we even got the rescue story in there and what your treat was <laughs> yeah oh I I always remember food and drinks and stuff I'm all about that have I mentioned yet about my childhood fear of costumes I think I mentioned that on the Charlie Brown one right Rossi um we could use a refresher uh, well, as a kid, when uh, somebody explained to me what Halloween was, I 
you know, thought it sounded really cool, you get to dress up or whatever. And then I had never seen a costume before. So I was maybe two or three years old and uh, my mom came home and I remember sitting in the living room, I was watching TV and well, I shouldn't say living room. We were living in a tiny farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, a little house in the prairie style without an indoor bathroom, just because my dad was weird like that. Had like a $70,000 a year salary, decided to live two hours outside of the city with no plumbing. And you're talking this about This is not my nightmare, by the $70, way. $70,000 like in 1980. In the late 80s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he decides he wants to live. This isn't the nightmare part. It's just to demonstrate how weird my childhood was. Anyways, I'm sitting in the only room in the house... And my mom walks in and she's like, hey, Colin, look, we got the costume. And I'm all excited. I can still remember like smiling. Yeah, let me see. And she holds it up and it's a Care Bears costume with the mask. And I look at it and I scream and I hide under a blanket for half an hour as they're trying to coax me out of the blanket. Saying, it's okay. Just try it on. And eventually like, look, we'll have your sister try it on. And she puts her mask on and I look at her and I scream even more and hide <laughs> under the blanket. And I had this weird thing where I thought if you put it on, you were going to have that face forever. And I, I was too young to really understand what it was. So I refused to go out. And, uh, you know, my sister brought me home some candy. I remember that. The following year, I think I actually went out. But it was a mask. It was a clown's mask or whatever. It was just like a cheap kid's costume. And for whatever reason, my mom decided to keep that clown's mask right by my bed. So I would go to bed at night and I would see this clown's mask. Now, during the day, it was fine. But at night, you're looking at it. Like, it looks like, you know, Pennywise the clown now. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm probably here, what, maybe three years old? And I'm just staring at this thing. I can remember I always, from like youngest age, had trouble sleeping. And I would be up at like two, three in the morning just staring at this thing for an hour and a half, not willing to move, just terrified of this clown's mask sitting there like it was going to come to life. So if we were in Bill and Ted's version of hell, uh, I would be seeing clown masks and Care Bear masks because that was my childhood fear. Jamie would be locked in a chest. <laughs> And Rossi, what was yours again? This movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rossi will be watching Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey over and over again. Okay, so so that was a good. That's story. my hell. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good story, but yeah. let's give the people honesty now. That yeah. that's not your biggest fear. Your biggest fear. There's one thing. Well, there's one thing that's not really. No, a fear. we've talked about this in other episodes. It's not a fear. No, hold on. Hold on. There's one thing that's not really a fear, but just something that highly bothers you. Like, it just disgusts you, which is ripped paper. But that's yeah. not that's not even where I was going. Let's be honest now. It's actually balloons. Colin is like... That's not a fear, though. That's just, oh. I don't want a balloon popping in my face, so I will avoid balloons. That's oh. not like I sit there awake at night, like, there's a balloon on the other side of the room. The balloon's going to get me. Uh, you know what? If there was a balloon in our room, you probably would be like that. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because when there's balloons around or whatever, you're like, no, don't get it near me. Uh, she's pretty much over exaggerating. It's still clown masks and Care Bear masks. <laughs> but. Uh, I know what I'm dressing up as for Halloween. All right. <laughs> Probably nothing because we're working that day. <laughs> um, so just wrapping this whole sequence up, or we'll just talk about uh, uh, just this sequence here before we get back to death. So they come out of here and they're basically saying we're in our own personal hell and the devil appears again. He's saying, you know, you have to choose your eternity and they say there's only one way out of this. We've got to play the Reaper and the Grim Reaper appears again like the hero of the story he is. Uh, so Rossi, talk to us about falling in the eternal pit and the entire hell sequence. Um, it was 
Okay, I don't know. It was, it, I, don't, I don't like this scene. These scenes really. I thought it was like it just seemed to go on forever, and they kind of were the same thing over and over again. Um, it didn't really make sense why all of a sudden they were in hell. To me, like it, did, it just seems kind of well, weird. Well, Missy banished them there. That's her purpose for the seance. Yeah, but I, I just think it was pointless. Like it seemed to do nothing except, and then all of a sudden they show up in heaven, like because they beat death at games. Like I know where I'm getting ahead, but like I don't know. The transitions of this movie were weird. And... I know. I'm with Rossi. I found it pointless a bit too. As you sat there laughing harder than I laughed throughout most of the movie. This is where Jamie changes her opinion. So she could agree with somebody and disagree. No, I was I was saying that the part where um, they were um, playing games with death, like that part was funny how he was being such a bad loser. But like the whole hell sequence, like honestly. It's one of the highlights of the movie. I don't know. Even when they're in heaven and they got these like, like alien looking things, it's like, well, what was the point of that? It, uh, we'll get there. Uh, Rossi, continue. I just thought, I don't know, I, this isn't, like, the type of stuff that I find funny normally. Like, I thought that it was, like, some of the funniest stuff was, late, like, I thought it was, I'm getting ahead, but I thought it was funny when they took the, they beat up those wise people for their yeah. outfits or whatever, and, like, them talking to God was funny. Like, I thought that was funnier than this whole, like, okay. hell sequence. So... Like, it just wasn't amusing to me. We're just going through all of these parts where I'm like, this movie just keeps getting better and better. And they're like, no, no. Can we talk about the next one? So fine, let's move on to the next part. Uh, they play the Grim Reaper. And of course, this is supposed to be like a challenge. I don't know. Is this some fable? Like, Rossi, do you have any information on if this is a real thing that the Grim Reaper you're supposed to challenge to a contest? Well, um, all right. So I'm going to make a reference to a show that I watched when I was a child. Okay. Um, or when I was younger, maybe not a child. But um, so there's the show called The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, in which there's the these two kids and they beat um, the Grim Reaper in a contest, and as a result, he has to spend the rest of his life with them. And I was like, well, that that's the kind of the exact same thing where they beat the Grim Reaper in contest, and. So I'm guessing it's some sort of theme, like it's been addressed in other shows and iterations of stuff. So I don't know the lore of it, but it's not unusual. I've seen it, definitely seen it before. Jamie just kind of whispered to me that she has seen that show before. So a really long time ago, but I actually forgot about it. And now it makes me want to watch it again because it was a really good show. Coming next week to the Oz Network. <laughs> Rossi, were you a fan of the show or... Um, I'm definitely more of a fan of it now than when I was younger, just because it was one of the more like grosser, darker, like is more like aligned with the Simpsons and things like that than it was like, you know, like SpongeBob or something. So like, I, I definitely like was a little more scared of it as a child, but now I think I really have appreciation for it. Well, I mean, the Grim Reaper, now we get our chance to talk about the star of the movie here, uh, William Sadler, because uh, they end up playing the Grim Reaper uh, when he says choose your game or whatever, they play him at Battleship. So come back and he's like J19. They're like hit, miss. And it's just the delivery he has. Like I just I don't know how many times. Any time that I have played Battleship from when this movie came out when I was a kid until now, uh, I will always try to quote the line, You have sunk my battleship. Uh, not to mention the quote I had later on for the other one. So they actually beat him at Battleship. And I will say, I think the trailer spoiled this. Like I can watch this movie now, and it's just 
just the timing of you know we got to play the reaper and then they're just playing board games with them is so funny each time and even just the games they come up with like you don't know what the game is right away like especially when they get to clue after that you know he's just reading a card you're like what is he doing and it's like i say colonel master did it in the study with the candlestick and it's like you were wrong it was professor plum i said plum I like, you said mustard dude i was actually thinking rossi would like that part of the movie because it's referencing clue that's yeah that's the whole reason this came up we were gonna do gremlins 2 which maybe that would have been better or worse for rossi i don't know but it turned to let's give you a choice and do this because of the clue thing um they play some type of like tabletop football it just keeps leading to every time it beats them it's like best two out of three best three out of five best of seven and uh finally it gets to twister so uh he has to put like right foot on green or something like that and the grim reaper can't do it and he basically says fine i'll take you back now after losing four straight games to these guys uh, and they say you know we need to make a stop first you know can you uh take us somewhere you, you beat me i'm at your command there's a funny line here where they're trying to be complimentary of him to to the grim reaper and he just wants to have no part of it. like you got a lot to learn about sportsmanship man <laughs> this is the way that they talk to people like it doesn't they're not even like oh it's the grim reaper you got a lot to learn about sportsmanship um after this they show up in heaven so we're talking about the two sequences that have been mentioned by everybody that they actually want to talk about here so maybe i'll try not to cover everything so he takes them to heaven because they need somebody to help them build robots to fight the evil robot versions of them. So now the plot's back on here. Uh, as they get to the gates in heaven, they're saying only the most enlightened souls will enter. Uh, they basically grab three people and beat them up to steal their clothes. And then Ted has a line. He's like, we're in heaven. We just mug three people. And Bill says, we better get out of here before we ruin it for everybody. <laughs> and... Um, as they're trying to get in, they're like, what is the meaning of life? And they quote, every rose has its thorn. Uh, death is dressed as a lady here, which they have a, a little bit of fun with. Uh, as they go up to meet God, <laughs> and they're saying, this lovely lady here is the Grim Reaper. Just the look that he gives them is priceless. Uh, and my f- favorite part here where they say, congratulations on Earth. It's a most excellent planet that Bill and I enjoy on a daily basis. <laughs> and then they basically say, we need somebody, the greatest scientist you have. He said, station uh they're roaming around heaven looking for the station guy they find out it's two really weird looking aliens that look like they belong in like ghoulies or something like that and uh they're just like death's like you assume they would have been human yeah and uh this is the one joke i never get so they're playing charades in heaven you got albert einstein i don't know the other characters if anybody else recognizes the other characters there uh but they're playing charades and station is saying it's a movie or whatever and it's like nine words and i don't know why but the grim reaper says uh what does he say um uh butch and sundance the early years and everybody goes quiet it's like an inappropriate thing and i don't get the joke uh so i doubt jamie's gonna be able to help me on this because she was just counting the words realizing that's not nine words uh rossi do you understand that joke at all no i'm trying to look up the uh like the movie and see if there's some sort of connection to anything the only thing i can like as far as the words go the full title of the movie butch cassidy and the sundance kid the early years is nine words uh but i don't get why that's a joke and why it's inappropriate you know the, the it ends up being something smoky and the bandit three smoky is the bandit which i guess is the full title of that I don't know what you're doing right now, Jamie, but you're being very distracting again. I'm sorry. She was scratching her face on my shoulder. <laughs> Can I just 
let's forget about podcasting, Rossi. What if I just narrated everything Jamie does in the background on every episode we're doing? That could no. be its episode in itself. <laughs> um, Station agrees to come with them, so they're on their way back to Earth now. So we'll get into the final act after this. So let's talk about the Grim Reaper playing all the games and uh, the Heaven Sequence. Rossi. Honestly, I think this was probably the best sequence of the movie for me. Um, This is the part where I was like, I actually enjoy this part. Like, this part's funny. There's nothing stupid. Nothing stupid, like, over-the-top stupid kind of stuff where they have to, like, hit you on the head to you get it. Like, I felt that, like, this had the most humor. I love the, you sunk my battleship and stuff. (laughs) And, like, best out of seven. Yeah. That's just too funny. And then um, the whole, you mentioned the quote about Earth is a great planet (laughs) on a daily basis. That's so funny. And then Jamie mentioned earlier about like, see you later or whatever, when they leave. Yeah, catch you later, God, or something. Like, I just thought that this is so funny. And then they're like, we beat up three wise people to get here. Like, sorry. (laughs) The whole thing is just such a, like, I don't think there's like one really bad scene in this entire segment that you oh, mentioned. Oh, so good. Like, like if I had to rank this part alone, this part's a buy. Like this segment here mm-hmm. is pure buy. It's just too. It's funny. It's got great moments. <laughs> like, I think everything works so well in this segment, aside from that joke that no one can understand. Yeah, I even tried to look it up last night, and I couldn't find any theories online as to what this joke is okay but did did they actually need to go into heaven though because even with the ending well they're like well we'll we'll just time travel and we'll just give ourselves this and give ourselves this and stuff like that i I just kept thinking like if they died and they actually just came back to earth and they didn't even have aliens with them they could just time travel go go forward to the future to to Uh, when they could actually build robots and then come back with them too yeah um, big problem with that. They don't have a time machine in this movie. So how did they do that then at the end of the movie? Because the time machine shows up with Denomalous. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, so they had no choice. But what, <laughs> that's right. But, but what if they ask God for a time machine instead of, ali- <laughs> instead of aliens? Then they still don't have anything to defeat the evil robot versions of them. No, but then they would go to the future to where they have the technology to actually build robots. Cause but Denomalous so, is in the see, future. Seriously, like, they built freaking, like, stupid <laughs> robots out of, like, dustbusters and, col- like, colanders. Yeah. Just, wait, is colander a word? Yes, it is. It's a big strainer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. This is. We should just rename this show Jamie Guesses the English Language. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously. But, like, you, they're supposed to, and I understand that they built them, like, you know, just in such a short time period or whatever, but it's, like, they're so crappy looking. Well, like, well, and, and they, we, we finally talked about the scenes that you wanted to talk about. And you're like, can we skip ahead to the next bit? But but I'm saying like for the robots, they really didn't serve any purpose. They're kind of useless. They killed the other evil robot versions of them. Oh, they didn't need them. And this that. movie is just about making everything as insane as it gets. I mean, the first movie, they traveled through time and had Abraham Lincoln and uh, Napoleon and Socrates and Joan of Arc doing an aerobics class and uh, Genghis Khan tearing apart a sporting goods store. How do we top that? Let's have Bill and Ted versus evil robot Bill and Ted uh, with good robot Bill and Ted's built out of Dustbusters and Colanders. And let's have the Grim Reaper and two weird aliens that merge into one alien. 
and let's have an Easter nightmare and a grandmother nightmare and let's have possession of their dads and just whatever else we could throw in there. Is that too much to ask for just a decent sequel? And and was anybody else wondering earlier when the robots actually showed up, like why they're drinking Pepsi and stuff like that? Wouldn't that like fry their circuits? How is a robot drinking Pepsi? They're from the future. It's not, they're not powered by electricity. They're powered by nuclear fusion. Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Can we talk about the robots when I get to it? Do you want to talk about heaven here or death? All the stuff you were begging to talk about for the last half hour? See you later, God. <laughs> Anything else to add on this? Me? Yes! <laughs> oh, I don't know who you're talking to. Um, no. Now it makes sense with the whole time machine thing. I kind of didn't think That's about the that. next sequence. We'll get there. I just said it makes sense what you said. Okay, but let's talk about the Grim Reaper games and the heaven sequence. Don't fear the Reaper. I heard that. All right. <laughs> Jamie's got nothing to add on the sequence that she kept begging to talk about. Oh, and what about like, what about when they were playing Twister and and he had like the stinky feet? Did you think? Oh yeah, where he puts his foot in his face. Did, you, did that remind you of anybody? It did. I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name on the air. You can say it. That's I'm not saying it because then people will <laughs> tell me I'm a terrible husband. No, you're not a terrible husband. It's fine. No, I I actually have I have really stinky feet, <laughs> um, which actually is really funny because Colin doesn't at all. Colin can run like a half marathon and, and take off his shoes and his socks or whatever, and he his feet smell completely normal. Uh, but un- unfortunately, like it is just something that is with me because Casper actually is exactly the same way, and yeah. Casper has stinky feet too. Yeah. So So as soon as I, I saw it and he was like, Oh, death, like jeez and I was like, Oh, that's totally me. <laughs> um Rossi, can you remember how we got here? <laughs> um, we got here after we watched Bush and Sundance, the early year days. Okay, right. Uh so Jamie doesn't have anything to talk about other than her own stinky feet now. <laughs> I will add a fun fact. I can add a fun fact. Go for it. Um, I'm looking at. I'm trying to. Find, I was trying to find the parallel between the movie, like that he lists out, and the why it's a joke. Mm-hmm. But there's a character error here, as the Reaper says, "Butch and Sundance, the early years," when the movie is actually called "Butch and Sundance, the early days." Oh, that must have been it. <laughs> what like is there a better explanation? That somebody basically uh, said online. One of the theories I saw was saying. Oh well, the reason they looked at him weird is because that movie's supposed to be so bad that he should never mention it. And I'm like, well, I mean, the topic was Smokey and the Bandit three, which I've never seen any of those movies, but I, I doubt that they're, you know, any worse than Butch and Sundance: The Early Years. Um, we need an answer on that from any of our listeners out there. Uh, let's jump into the stuff back on Earth now, so we can give Jamie an opportunity to jump towards the Battle of the Bands before we're ready to get there. Oh man. <laughs> Um, so when they get back to Earth, they go to a hardware store. Uh, well, first of all, they have the evil robot versions of them playing basketball with their head. Now, if there's one pointless scene in the movie, it's here. Because I tried to figure out why do we need to talk about this scene. For the most part, this movie does move forward the plot. But the evil ones playing basketball with each other's heads is just maybe a dumb joke. And then we have Denomalous showing up in the scene saying... You know, we need to ruin them more. They're like, well, they're already dead. It's like, why don't we destroy their relationships? You've already dumped their girlfriends, which, hey, we forgot to talk about that scene, Jamie. So why don't we talk about that here, too? So 
they bring them over and they had the, the robot chubby comment that you loved when they looked at the pictures of the princesses. And yeah. then they're basically getting rapey with them on a bed and they're asking them like, what's wrong with you guys or whatever. And, uh, uh, I, I wrote down the quote here, but you may, I had to rewind it to actually get what it was. Um, where the evil robots, of course, are the ones being rapey with them. And uh, they said something like, uh, you know, we used to be a bunch of pussweeds, and now we're made of metal. So get over here and put out. And you loved that joke for some reason. Because it was just funny, and I kind of have, I don't know, a sick sense of humor, I guess, like that. <laughs> where evil robots will rape women? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just kept thinking about, like, the robot chubby, and I'm like... like <laughs> <laughs> how does this robot actually have a chubby and the fact that it's called the chubby is hilarious like a chubby like it's, yeah. it's so funny okay um so they come back to life but the evil robots are going to kidnap the princesses now why they need to do this i don't know because the girls have already stormed out on them and they didn't even try to stop them because they had to do something about their robot chubby but they're not doing anything they're kidnapping them and getting ready to kill them so yeah, some things in this movie don't really make sense. Well, yeah, uh, because he looked at he looked at her picture and he said he had a robot chubby, so... That was way earlier in the movie, and now we're later on, and he wants to destroy their relationship. So, real Bill and Ted take station to the Builder's Emporium, uh, which is the repository for earthly electronics and robot building materials. And I always love when Bill and Ted give these, like, really eloquent lines. Like, my favorite one in the first one is where they show up in medieval England and they're just looking for people to bring back for their history report. And they ask a guy, do you know are there are any personages of historical significance around here? It's like, it's not something that these airheads should be saying, but that's just funny to me. Uh, they get all the materials. They build the good robot versions of them, uh, which, as Jamie pointed out, is just made of like scrap stuff you'd find in a hardware store. Dustbusters and colanders. I'm pretty sure, you know, the colanders were making up their chests. Uh... <laughs> That would be my guess. Okay, enough with the chess reference. <laughs> well, you brought it up. Uh, and uh, the, what else? When the evil robot Bill and Ted kidnap the princesses because they're at Missy's house. Bill says something like, catch you later, future wife. Uh, station merges into one station, which is cool. The, the two aliens blob together, and it's kind of simple effects, but I think the station effects are really cool. And station looks fun. I mean, it, it is a weird alien, they just had to throw something else bizarre out there for you. But uh, let's before we even talk about the scenes, Rossi, do you have an opinion on Station one way or the other? I was... I don't know. I didn't think it was that weird. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, another movie. It reminded me a lot of Halloween Town. Um, I don't know if you, either of you have seen that. No, I know of it, though. But like they had just really poor costumes for that. <laughs> And it just kind of reminded me of that. Like that's something you would see in that, in that movie. So it, it, it wasn't anything crazy to me. I thought it was weird that they transformed into a weird glob of mucus almost. That was really gross. But Jamie's looking up Ernest Scared Stupid because it reminds her of the troll from Ernest Scared Stupid. I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have anything to add on Station as I, a character? I was just gonna say that I, I, I bet nine out of ten that. Um... The whole blob thing really grossed Rossi out. Did it gross you out? Blob it, station? It was gross, but I don't think it grossed me out. Like, I was just like, okay, that's weird. Pointless, but whatever. Rossi, didn't you know that's how babies are born? <laughs> <laughs> well, ew. That explains a lot. You could have told me that before Casper came and I would have bought it. Um, 
So the good robot usses, as they call them, are uh, created, and they do look hilarious, and I just like the cheap effects on them. I mean, it's, it's all so much fun. Just They have the remote controls and everything, and I, I love the back-forth conversation they have with Death here, the Grim Reaper, where uh, they're basically, Station, you made great robots, and he's like, what about me? And it's like, uh, I helped with the shopping, I pushed the cart, I made the wigs. Like, he's getting all upset. that This is where Death goes from being, at the beginning of the movie, the most serious character who's kind of funny in a dry way to just being like completely over the top ridiculous. And William mm-hmm. Sadler's just brilliant with it. Uh, so they make a comment about Station's butt here, his massive alien butt, and Death gets upset, you know, because uh, nobody's checking out his butt. <laughs> um, and uh, the robot fights with Cambria. So the evil robots are about to go on stage as the last band, and... Uh, Mrs. Wardrobe now asks, you know, oh, where's the girls? Oh, they're hanging from the rafters. We're totally going to kill them in the, the finale. And they're like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Good luck, guys. And they go on there, and they basically are about to destroy Billings' has a reputation, I guess, or maybe allow Denomalous to enslave everybody. Who knows what the real plan is, why they're still at the Battle of the Bands. But real Bill and Ted show up. Says, no, we're the real Bill and Ted. And they've got the good robots. There's quick punch-out between them, fight scene. Always good to have a fight scene here. I like that you made the actions to go I, along with that. As I said, fight scene, I did see. like two punches, like jab, hook. <laughs> You're so torquey. Uh, but this is very reminiscent of the first movie. This is where I like this movie is in so many ways, like the exact same formula and very similar to the original, but yet it's such a completely different spin that it doesn't feel like just a remake. This isn't the hangover two to the hangover. You know, the first one ends with them having this very elaborate uh, presentation for their final history report on stage with lights and effects and everything and this kind of ends up the same way uh, so after the fight scene uh, the evil robots are dead and uh, I should mention also the band that's playing uh, now Rossi I don't know if you're going to be familiar with who this band is uh, but the band that's playing right before Bill and Ted is a real band they're called Primus now are you familiar with Primus? not at all Jamie you know who Primus is right? yeah yeah, okay, so what is the famous Primus song that you hate that I love? Uh, what's the name of it again? I forget already. Winona's Big Brown Beaver? Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Um, Rossi, I just, I'm going to, this is in all honesty, I love the way that you will narrate facts and stuff like that. So as I'm going through this, will you please look up the lyrics to Winona's Big Brown Beaver by Primus? <laughs> And then read that for us in a minute or two. I'm sorry that he's making you search for this, <laughs> Rossi. I'm not doing all the work on this podcast. Uh, so Is it over yet? Denomalous shows up. <laughs> we'll, okay, we'll get through this. This is the whole climax here. Denomalous shows up and he has a gun and you know who knows what he's going to be doing. Is he enslaving? We never really learn why he's showing up at the Battle of the Bands. Um, he rigs the camera so everybody in the world can... Oh, sorry, I burped again. Ugh. <laughs> Ew, jeez. I do not have the time Why to Why do people this. still listen to you? <laughs> okay, Jamie, you have so far been staring at your own chest, scratched your face on my shoulder, and you're going to be upset that I let a burp slip every once in a while. Well, nobody can see me. People hear that. Anyways. Uh, you know what I was thinking? That's actually, that's where Superman, uh, that's the same thing as Superman uh, for the whole video thing. What are you talking about? No, with with when Zod comes to Earth, it's the same thing. Oh, right, where he takes over and everybody's singing their own language. Did you think about that too? 
I was thinking, yeah, it was similar, except this has the sub. I was actually thinking, well, how come in China they're hearing them in English, but then they have the subtitles on screen? Yeah. So Denomalous is basically taking over the world here. Uh, you know, Bill and Ted are about to stop them. Uh, Bill and Ted come up with a plan, and this is kind of how it close to the end of the first one they had a similar thing it's like all right so when this is all over and done with we'll go back in time we'll put this prop here so we could use it then and escape from this cell and they basically say how about a sandbag a sandbag falls down it's a really clever like doctor who like plot uh how do we stop the anomalous all right well when this is over we'll get a sandbag we'll get the time machine we'll go back with the sandbag that'll knock out his gun and then it's like, then we'll get a cage. A cage just drops out of the sky on Anomalous. And he says, yeah, but when I get out of this, I'm going to give myself this key. And he unlocks his cage and everybody's <gasps> gasping. And uh, it's like, then I'm going to get myself this other gun. And he's about to pull the trigger. And then he pulls the trigger and it just comes out Wild Stallions rule, which is their band. Uh, finally, like, yeah, but what you don't realize is we got the time machine. So we set up that key and that gun. And... Here comes death giving Denomalous a Melvin. Uh, it's all over this episode. And uh, we'll get into the final part of the, the climax in a second, but just uh, all the Earth stuff and the battle between the robots and the Denomalous stuff. Uh, Rossi, before you give your opinion on the sequences, have you looked up the lyrics to Winona's Big Brown Beaver? Yes, unfortunately. All right, pl- please read the lyrics. Um, well, uh, do I have to read the whole thing? That's so much. No, just go through, like, uh, go through, you know, verse or so okay i'll go through the middle verse because it's the least um now rex he was a texan out of new orleans and he traveled with the carnival shows he ran bumper cars sucked cheap cigars and he candied up his nose he got wind of the (laughs) big brown beaver so he thought he'd take himself a peek but the beaver was quick and grabbed him by the kiwis. Now he ain't pissed for a week and a half. It's such a great song. It, um, it sounds a lot worse than when you're reading it. If you want something terrifying, now you talk about the Easter Bunny and everything. This is relevant. This is why I bring up Primus here. I'm not like a huge Primus fan. I love this song because it's just hilarious. Uh, and it actually has like, it, the, the bass is incredible uh, in Primus. But the video is what caught me for Primus, for Winona's Big Brown Beaver. And Ross, you don't have to listen to the song, but I sent you the be- the Winona's Big Brown Beaver video, which features them wearing costumes that are even creepier than the Easter Bunny, or you can decide on that. Uh, just look at a few, you know, maybe a minute or so of that video while we're going through here, and then tell us which one's more terrifying, that or the Easter Bunny. Uh, because if you've never seen the Winona's Big Brown Beaver video from Primus, you have to watch it. It is amazing. It is hilarious. No. Uh, it is creepy no. when it's, I, it probably was intended to be creepy, but it's just, it, it's, it's, it's absurd. And I love it. Uh, and Jamie hates the song. Just say no kids. Just say no. <laughs> Rossi, have you watched any of this video yet? No, um, give me a minute. All right, fine. <laughs> Jamie, you talk first. Talk about the climax. What climax? Building the robots and fighting the robots and fighting Denomalous. Yeah, I know. I was talking about it before already, but... I know! You always jump one sequence ahead. Just talk about it now. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um... I don't know why... Like, I guess it's funny in the end for him to marry Missy, but that part for me didn't really... We haven't gotten there yet! (laughs) Oh, please. I don't know. I I thought that there would be more creative things that they could have done rather than... Why are you playing this video? (laughs) 
I thought that there could be more creative things that they could do rather than just leaving the sandbag and then, you know... Uh, it's a joke. It's cartoony. A cage with a key that they actually will give him with the gun then that they'll give him. Like No, it's meant to be like a cartoon. It's the same... Like in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, they're locked up or the other uh, historical figures are all locked up in prison and Bill and Ted get them out but then Ted's dad comes in and spoils their plan like how are we going to get out of here? You know, they got into their police station by saying, let's set up a tape recorder that is throwing our voices. Then, you know, we'll steal your dad's keys and then we'll do this. And then in the end, they're like, well, how are we going to get away from your dad? And they say, well, a trash can. And then a giant trash can just drops on his head. Like, it's just supposed to be cartoony. Okay, but I also I also wanted to say, like, it's a little bit of a change of subject. You know what the song always reminds me of? And maybe I have to listen to the lyrics closer. Winona's Big Round Beaver, you Yeah, because you are actually watching it right now while you were just talking about something else completely. But... Like, I knew that this was slang for, like, am I allowed to say the word? Like, okay, I don't want to say the P word, so I'll just say a woman's private. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, that beaver is actually slang for that. I I probably didn't get that until well, now, but okay. Because <laughs> just so you know, Rossi Collins, like, super innocent. Uh, like, no, uh, anyways. No, he I didn't. just don't, I don't, yeah. So he, 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 he doesn't get references like that and he'll be like, what? <gasps> oh, that's all you wanted to add? Well, I don't know. I just, I just, I said I need to look at the lyrics closer because I'd never really thought about it. But Winona's big brown beaver sounds like it'd be like Winona's big brown pussy. Okay, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rossi, what do you think of the video? Uh, uh. It was weird. <laughs> why? Why are you making me watch it? Like, <laughs> this is just. This is. See, we went through three weeks of fun, funny, and we need to instill some fear in the listeners here. And if the Easter Bunny didn't terrify you, Winona's Big Brown Beavers video will. I'd rather Talk be about, talking about Ted and Bill, both okay, let's whatever go back crap. To it then. Yeah, let's talk about the climax then. What, you want me to talk about something now? Go for it. Um, oh, yeah, I thought that the the fight scene was so short. Like, because it took, like, one punch and those guys were dead. And I was like, oh, that was quick. And then I looked at the time and I was like, wait, it's not over? <laughs> and then the guy shows up in the telephone booth and it was, like, going on and... And then the guys from the past show, they're the future show up, even though they like married the opposite woman or something. Like, mm-hmm. it, well, that it, yeah, we'll we'll cover that next. But it was we'll be- just talk whole, about it now. <laughs> it, the whole thing was just weird. That whole like, it does get really weird on the end. I'm going to agree with that. I did think it was funny though when they were the robots were about to start their performance. And they're like, we are whatever the name of the band is. I forget. Wild Stallions. Wild Stallions. And then the real Bill and Ted show up and the whole audience gasps and like looks yeah. back and forth. I thought that the audience the heads, reactions were funny. Your head's darting back and forth. Like who, who's the real? And then the robots show up and it gets even more confusing. And it, I, thought, I thought that was good. Uh, I mean, the second part of this is Rossi kind of mentioned, you know, after they trapped Anomalous, they're like, well, we still have this performance hey, but we still don't know how to play. Well, we got the time machine. So they disappear in the time machine and they pop back up and you find out it's been 16 months later, I think they said. Uh, They said, you know, that was an intense 16 months of guitar training minus some time for a honeymoon in medieval England. They've got babies strapped to their backs. 
Uh, Bill's baby's named Ted. Ted's baby's named Bill. They introduce themselves. Uh, Ted, I don't even know who he's supposed to look like here. Uh, <laughs> could you describe what his look is, Jamie? I don't know. Didn't he have like a soul patch or something? Yeah, kind of had a soul patch. I don't know. You, Which you think is hilarious. You make fun of Keith Urban for having one. <laughs> I make fun of Keith Urban for a lot more than that. Uh, and Bill's got this big ZZ Top beard. Uh, Which so they would look take ridiculous. way longer than 16, 16 months. months to grow. Yeah, well, maybe they had extensions where they went. Like, and, and like, ZZ has anybody thought about the fact that this this movie, um, this movie is actually the second time, or the fir- first time that Keanu Reeves is actually traveling somewhere via telephone and The Matrix is the second? I hadn't pieced that together. Yeah, that phones allow him to travel through dimensions or time or whatever. No, that's interesting. Whoa. Pub trivia well, night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we've gone through this entire episode, and Jamie's not even talking about Keanu Reeves. Uh, maybe we'll mention the performances on the end of I'm this. I'm trying not to embarrass you. Oh, please. I love you. Yeah, like you haven't done enough embarrassing things so far on the air. We've been married five years, people. Almost. Uh, we'll see if we get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they basically perform their final song here, which... Uh, it's, I don't know if the song's ever supposed to be the same thing, but the song that plays at the end credits here is a Kiss song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, uh, which isn't a bad song. I think the soundtrack's pretty good. I don't know if the music is as prominent in this as the first one, but if you really want to hear great late 80s, early 90s music that's cheesy and over the top and everything, then like the Bill and Ted soundtracks are awesome. The second one's probably a little bit heavier than the first and not featured as prominently in the movie, but uh, this is still a good song. Uh, and it just goes to the credits. Wild Stallions won, and it's just newspaper clippings of everything that happens after this. Oh, and we can't forget, of course, the Grim Reaper and his rap. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, do you remember the Grim Reaper rap? Uh, vaguely. All right. Well, you've got a lot to add here. The, uh, he was funnier in every other area of the movie. But I like that at the end, it just becomes completely ridiculous here. It becomes the Duke of Spook, the Doc of Shock, Ridu- the Man with No Tan. R- ridiculous? Yes, exactly. Uh, so some of the newspaper clippings are like, there's peace in the Middle East. Uh, Air guitar uh, is uh, found to eliminate smog. The Grim Reaper wins the Indy 500. I didn't know I could run that fast. Um, Missy Mary's Denomalous. Uh, the Dow drops 600 points because Wild Stallions are going to uh, break up. Uh, then it turns out to be a hoax. Bill and Ted the movie. Bill and Ted play Mars. All these great newspaper clippings. So... Rossi, anything else to add on the finale here? Um, or do you just want to jump right into giving this a minute? What was the um, the line? There was a line that the Grim Reaper gave at the end when he was singing. That was funny. Like, doesn't matter if you're this or this. You'll end up uh, with the Reaper. You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the Reaper. Yeah, I thought that was such a great line. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, which, which just enforces the fact that this is the best character of the entire movie. Yeah, and you know it was, it was such a small scene too. Like the, the Reaper was my favorite too. It was such a small scene, and some people might actually miss it. But I love when they were shopping and stuff like that, and there was the smoker, and, and Death was just like, "See you soon." Yeah, see you real soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's another cameo. That's oh, the director. and and Colin Colin was like r- rolled over laughing almost when he was like, "Get down with your bad self." <laughs> <laughs> oh, then he's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> 
I just I love and, and I love when they were shopping and he was looking at like what was it like a rake or something and he was like comparing it to his scythe and he's like huh yeah uh, nah I won't yeah <laughs> just the group of people shopping at the builders emporium and the fact that they're walking around with two aliens and nobody's looking odd at them um, and then he had his comments when they were talking about the robots and he's like I I put the hair on the wig yeah <laughs> I, I pushed the cart I pushed the cart like do you know what do you know what you remind me of with your accent when you try to mimic the Grim Reaper's accent don't say Schwarzenegger the one talking about like uh um you should be the one talking about bears going shopping oh yeah kindergarten cop line yeah so yeah it is Schwarzenegger yeah yeah well I think my Grim Reaper impression is pretty solid thank you very much hit you sunk my battleship you sunk my battleship Sounds like Dracula, more like. <laughs> Colonel Master did it in the study I want with the candlestick. Your blood. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about in the end here? Or you want to just throw it to Jamie. Jamie, and the floor is yours. All right, cool. Oh, okay. Am I supposed to say buy it, win it? No, win it? no. Just talk about the scenes <laughs> buy on it, the win end it. here. <laughs> <laughs> buy it, win it. <laughs> if I entered a contest and somebody gave it to me for free, I would take it. Um, didn't I give you an extra copy of this movie that you can give away to somebody? Yeah, he, 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 we'll do that as a contest. If somebody, <laughs> if somebody is willing to write a, we'll okay. I'll I'll give the contest. Don't let me forget. I will give the contest on the end of this. Uh, Jamie, anything else you want to talk about on the scene? Since we got nothing else for you to jump ahead to, you already tried to jump ahead to the review. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the whole end of the movie with them coming back and winning the battle and? The newspapers. Yeah, if somebody wants to send me a gift certificate for a Nintendo Switch, I will send you the movie. No, no that's charge. not the contest. That's not the contest. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a little trivia on this movie here. So, um, first of all, before we even get into this movie, uh, let's talk about how this affected the franchise. Bill and Ted was a huge deal. I mentioned that there was you know tons of merchandise, everything out of time. There was. Um, uh, the video game, which I've never been able to play for the original Nintendo. I remember I found it at one point at a video store, and I was too young and dumb to realize you needed a membership no matter where you went. So I tried to check out the game, and they said, oh, you need to have a membership here. And my mom never got me a membership to that place, so I never got to play the Bill & Ted game, sadly. Uh, but yeah, there were video games of Bill & Ted. There was an animated series, which is actually really good. Uh, the, if people have a chance and you're a fan of Bill & Ted... Go and watch the animated series. You even had voices from George Carlin, who plays Rufus, and Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Uh, they even had a live-action Bill & Ted TV series, which I have never seen other than just a few clips of it. But I think both of those, like the animated and this, only lasted a season. Do, do you want them to release another movie? Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure did well at the box office, did even better when it came out on video. It kind of developed not even a cult following, just a big following. Bill & Ted's Bogus Journey didn't make that much money uh, less. Uh, it, it did pretty much the same, but it was just considered a disappointment at the time because of a much bigger budget and the expectations that it would have been, you know, a huge... I guess you could almost compare Bill & Ted to something like Austin Powers, where Austin Powers 1 wasn't the hugest hit as far as how much money it made in theaters, uh, but it developed such a huge following, you know, through video and everything that by the time the second one came out, it was the biggest thing there was. That was kind of what was expected of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Never amounted to that. I remember the reviews at the time just destroying this movie, and it took a couple of weeks before I was able to go see this. Uh, and I remember hearing on like the radio or TV and stuff, they'd review it, and people saying this movie's just terrible. 
But then I saw it, I'm like, this is a fun movie. And it's, the reputation has improved a lot over the years to the point where now, whereas the first one you know, has like a huge following and everybody pretty much loves it, the second one, people are still divided, but it leans more towards people thinking this movie's so outrageous that it's actually really fun. Uh, I have a feeling that's not what we're going to get with the reviews. Uh, third part. So, oh, for years, I, I used to actually draw my own posters of what would a Bill and Ted 3 be? What would a Bill and Ted 4 be? And I'd draw my own posters like Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves, and I'd put like the plot, Bill and Ted's whatever, whatever. And with Bill and Ted 3, it was never going to happen because the perception was Keanu Reeves would never want to do this. Uh, 2010 comes along and Keanu Reeves himself in an interview says, yeah, I, I totally want to do Bill and Ted 3. And we've talked to uh, the, the screenwriters, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, and they have a script. And this is like seven years ago. And he says, I would really want to do this. And I thought, well, just nostalgia. Well, seven years later, Keanu Reeves himself is still mentioning this. And not just like, well, we're working on it, saying the script's done. We're just trying to get it worked out. They even hired a director at one point. I don't know if he's still attached or whatever. Uh, but this thing is still in the works. And as recently as when John Wick 2 was being promoted a few months ago, Keanu Reeves still talked about it. And what is known about Bill and Ted 3 is actually really clever. So even if you guys don't like this movie... I guarantee the third one would be a blast because the idea is Bill and Ted are now middle-aged. They're in their 40s, maybe 50s, and they never amounted to anything. So somehow, maybe they had that performance of the Battle of the Bands and none of those other things came true. Uh, they're living miserable lives. Their wives don't like them. Their kids don't like them. And somebody else comes back in time like Rufus and says, you need to do something. Otherwise, if you don't write this song to save the world, the entire universe is going to be destroyed and it becomes this big thing with time travel again and with the whole universe being at stake. It sounds like a really clever idea. Even the title was revealed this year. It's going to be called Bill and Ted Face the Music. I really want this movie to be made. I'm just saying that. Um, we'll get into the reviews before we talk about whether you guys want a sequel. But Rossi, uh, I'll give you the pleasure of just getting this over with since I know where you're going. Buy it, bin it, rent it. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, I'm torn between two. I'm torn between either completely binning it or binning it. No. So, <laughs> I don't know where I want to go. I think I'm going to take the ladder. I'm just going to bin it. Oh, but you did state that if this movie were just the Grim Reaper sequences and the Heaven sequences, you would have bought that movie. I would buy that part. Of, I buy, I'll buy that part of the movie. Bin the rest. All right, but Jamie, overall, it's a bin. This is going to be interesting for Jamie because, as I said, she told me this movie was terrible, and then seemed to enjoy it last night when we were watching it. But Jamie has already covered two of these bases by buying this movie for herself and then trying to bin it in real life. So buy it, bin it, rent it. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Win it. I'll give it away to somebody who's listening. No, okay. Buy it, bi rent it, bin it. Officially, it. officially, is this a buy it, bin it, or rent it? What's your opinion? Rent it. See, so all of this criticism, and you're still <laughs> renting this? Well, death is hilarious. Okay. Uh, we're going to cover all bases because I'm buying this. Even though, it is no, when I say how big of a fan I was of this movie, it was mostly the first movie. And as a kid, you're like, I love the sequel to anything I love. Uh, I would still say Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to this day one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, there's no way either of you could have ever been... I know Jamie wouldn't been that one. Rossi, there's no way you would ever been Excellent Adventure if you bothered to watch it. It's such a fun movie. Bogus Journey, not quite on the same level, but I'd still be buying it. 
and Casper's very disappointed, as you can hear him in the background right now, that he wasn't allowed to give his opinion. He's crying. Uh, Rossi, would you have any interest in knowing that the first movie is very different? In knowing that pretty much everybody, even somebody who loves this one, will say the first one is like a hundred times better than this. Uh, in knowing that Jamie, who's pretty much agreed with you on everything you said here, would do it. Would you ever bother to watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Or are you pretty much checked out now that we've forced you to watch the inferior second part? I don't know. I, did, I was reading when I was looking up part of the movie. I did see that it was different, the first one. I don't know. It sounds more interesting than this concept. Um, just the idea of going across history and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds more interesting than this, so maybe, but I don't know. I'll have to wait like a good few months to recover from this. <laughs> See, this is the real tie-in to Halloween here. It was giving Rossi his own personal hell. <laughs> um, would you ever bother to go out, like if Bill and Ted 3 comes out next year, would you watch Bill and Ted 3? I would consider it if I've seen the first, if I saw the first one. Okay. So we have a whole panel here that will come back for Bill and Ted 3 if it gets made. So Keanu Reeves. Don't count me in. Don't pencil me in yet. I am penciling you in. I have a busy day that day. If you ever want to cover your favorite show next year, then you're going to have a free schedule for the whole month when Bill and Ted Face the Music comes out. Fine. There we go. I, I, I know how to leverage people. Um, I'm sorry. I'm having a baby that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to know who with. Um, so can we take away from this as we end the Halloween month here? We've pretty much covered all stuff that's funny. None of it's really terrifying. But this one, does it fit as much with Clue and Parks and Recreation Halloween and Charlie Brown, uh, Great Pumpkin, as kind of an odd Halloween classic? I just feel bad that people had to, you know, go from one of the best movies to one of the worst movies. <laughs> I will give you, if, if I had to choose which was a better movie, I would pick Clue. But because this is a childhood favorite of mine, I'm way more attached to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. But yeah, I will give you, Clue was the better movie of the two. And thank you to everybody who downloaded the Clue episode too. I didn't expect for a movie that made way less money than Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey to get as many downloads as it got. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening to all of these episodes as well, people. And we can reward you for that. Um, <laughs> chances are nobody's going to take this up, uh, us up on this. But if you are listening to this episode, I hope to God you have seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey because otherwise you are so confused right now that you don't know what you've spent an hour and a half listening to. It's okay. Um, I don't know what I spent half an hour doing either. <laughs> yeah. But if you would like to win... Jamie's attempted bin copy of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, our bonus copy. Uh, all you have to do is write a review for the Oz Network uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is. Write a review and send us a screenshot of that review to uh, us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, just tweet it out. Tag the screenshot of you writing a review, official review on iTunes or Stitcher of the Oz Network. But in that review... Just make sure to mention something about Bill and Ted's bogus journey or Jamie staring at her chest or (laughs) scratching her face against my shoulder or nightmares of Care Bears or anything related to this episode or Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So we still have two copies of that movie? Yeah, we do. We still have your copy. Oh, okay. So if that that is you, if you will write a review for Bill and Ted's bogus journey, 
uh, not even this, just the Oz Network, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever, and reference Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey or anything to do with this episode, send us a screenshot of that. We will send you, free of charge, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey attempted binned copy of Jamie Hilding. Woo! And Rossi, you're not allowed to enter this contest. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we don't, I mean, we got lots of other things going on. You know, you could listen to our DC episodes, which we're coming close to the end of. We got Wonder Woman that'll be coming up uh, later in the week. Uh, so that'll be an exciting one because I'll get to talk about something, as Ben mentioned, for the first time ever, talk about a movie twice because Jamie and I covered that in the review. And then we're going to get to come back and uh, do a full recap of that, which we've never actually done since we've done the Oz Network. So that's going to be fun. Uh, other than that, lots of TV show stuff going on. Lost, which, uh, Rossi, are you uh, a Lost fan? No. Rossi, no. not Jamie. I've never seen so I've never I, seen anything more than the first episode. So no. That guy on there is just so repulsive. <laughs> yeah, we know your feelings. Um, but that explains why nobody's listening to Lost Podcast. No, listen to the Lost Podcast, because if you want to get into a show, we're, we're starting a show from the beginning, much like Ben's been doing with Nip Tuck and third watch and all that getting a loss from the beginning but a show um, that's more recognizable than the other two yeah exactly uh, but uh we do have something which we don't want to tease just yet but coming soon to the oz network hopefully sometime in the next few months uh rossi and i and jamie probably as well will be starting another show from the beginning uh it'll be a comedy this time and uh that's probably what we're gonna be seinfeld. working on for the next little while Sein- uh, not seinfeld <laughs> Uh, I don't know how a Seinfeld podcast would go over. What about Sex in the City? No. You would have to make me lose a bet to have me podcast Sex in the City. Or bribe me with podcasting something of equal excellence. uh, Or not equal. They'll give you uh, Bill and Ted's bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to mention, I'm going through the quotes here, trying to come up with something for the end of the episode. I missed another one of my favorite quotes from this movie when they're climbing up uh, in hell and it's, if I die, you can have a mega death collection. But dude, we're already dead. Oh, well then they're yours, dude. <laughs> I love that. I love that they also list on IMDb. They don't list them as Bill and Ted. They list them as dead Bill and dead Ted. Uh, anyways, uh, lots of exciting stuff coming up. Um, we may be back for something. Uh, oh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me, Rossi. Uh, we do have one other Bill and Ted thing to cover here. As we've been doing on all these, which character are you? So uh, I'll start first. Uh, this was a quiz on which Bill and Ted character are you. So we did the Parks and Rec one. We did the Clue one. We did the Charlie Brown one. And now we're doing Bill and Ted. I came up as Rufus. So it says, you are Rufus. You are the one who guides Bill and Ted through their excellent adventure and bogus journey. And you're also an incredible guitar player. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an incredible guitar player. I just simply know how to play the instrument. And one of the questions was, do you know how to play guitar, I think? <laughs> so that's how I came up as Rufus. Uh, Rossi, who are you? I am... Let me pull it up. I am Billy the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, from part one. Yeah, <laughs> well, it gave me that. Weirdly enough, I I got my... Like, it gives you a breakdown of the answers, what character they were most like. Mm-hmm. And I had equal Grim Reaper and Billy the Kid, but somehow I'm Billy the Kid. So I'm a famous Western outlaw. You love to show women you wanted poster and to shoot your gun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like you, Rossi. Um, Jamie, read yours. 
Uh, so I got Grim Reaper. It says, you are death itself. Unfortunately, death does not have much confidence <laughs> in itself. You strive to be accepted. <laughs> I just want people to like me. You've quoted that on every podcast. <laughs> and when that chance finally comes, you are stuck following around some of the dumbest <laughs> teenagers who have ever existed. But it's not all that bad. You also have... You're also... What? You're, you're also to it's i think it's supposed to say the bassist you're also the bassist to the greatest band that has ever existed is that primus no okay <laughs> um yeah so i don't know would, if you would hope for any historical figure would it have been billy the kid um you know i you know what? i'll take it it's not an insult um rufus is an insult either jamie i know that you're glad to be the grim reaper of all of them mm-hmm. he's the best all right uh, so that's it for this week, and uh, we hopefully we'll be back. Maybe we'll continue this in Thanksgiving or American Thanksgiving, or uh, maybe something else for Christmas. So we have some Christmas stuff planned. But I'm sure we'll find lots of things to keep us busy with random recaps, Rossi. If you're up for that, yeah, I'm sure some people. Please give suggestions of crazy things. Yes, and if you are willing to <laughs> screenshot us giving you a, su- a suggestion in your review. We will send you Jamie's copy of her attempted bin, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Remember that contest, people. Uh, just send us a screenshot and then first come, first serve. Classic Jamie. Classic Rossi. Life. Anyways, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Let's talk a little bit now, I guess, about... Well, let's rate it first before we have to go back in time... I don't know, sometime next year when we're covering Ghostbusters and say, what did we rate Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? <laughs> and I just realized on my, my list here, I've never actually logged what you guys rated for this three years ago. So do oh. you remember what Jamie and Rossi did? I know we just heard I, it then. People are just listening to it okay. right then. But. I, I have no idea. If I have to guess, you'll probably hear it when you edit this episode together. I would guess Rossi binned it. I would guess I bought it. And I would guess Jamie rented it only because... I don't think Jamie bins anything, even movies that she says are so dumb. She still rents um, or buys occasionally. So let's go with that. And then we'll find out when you edit this together. Basically, Jamie doesn't uh, give a we'll... shit about her money. That's why. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what would you do? Uh, I'd probably bin it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just. All right. Just now, I don't. Childhood's room. Yeah. Like I would watch the first one. I would put the first one on and watch it. But um. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch this one anytime soon. And like again, like I probably 15, 20 minutes of this, I was on my phone, you know, half watching it. So, you know, that to me says enough for a movie. Why would I spend money on a movie like this if I am more interested in my phone? So, so segueing into Face the Music a little bit, here's where we call out our segues. Uh, instead of actually just letting them flow naturally, <laughs> uh, Grim Reaper coming back. Uh, now you've seen this in the trailers. Uh, I remember this is one of the first things that I thought. I really hope they find a way to work a Grim Reaper cameo in there. Although I kind of thought that they would just sort of write Bogus Journey out from existence. If you watch the trailers, there are a lot of ties to Bogus Journey. Uh, we see the time travel aspect. We also see the afterlife aspect, and we see the Grim Reaper again. Hasn't aged a day, by the way. No, he hasn't. Uh, really was the shining star of bogus journey and to have him back in any capacity is great i i hope it's a big role but talk about what was great about the grim reaper in this movie and why you're so excited that he's in face the music just want to say uh alex winter and keanu reeves have aged uh (laughs) still looking pretty good though they do they do but uh they've aged um 
Yeah, I mean, like, the one thing I liked about this movie, I, I will be, you know, to see him in it. The, the trailers were just odd. Like, um, I'm looking forward to Samara Weaving. I'm a big Samara Weaving mm. fan, so uh, that's exciting for me. But um, I don't know, like, even the trailers for this, and maybe I'm just uh, not a popular opinion here, but the trailers didn't really sell me on the third one. Um, like, it's kind of what I said in the last episode about Dumb and Dumber 2. Like, when I saw that, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is not what I was expecting. And, like, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't... This is the first time I saw the trailers was after I'd saw these two, seen these two movies. So like, back when they would have released the trailers because I had never seen them, and at, at that point it was like, oh, I doesn't really care about Bill and Ted. I didn't go out of my way to watch the trailers. So they were my first time seeing them. So, yeah, I don't know how I'm feeling about it outside of, of the Grim Reaper. Uh, who again? You're right. He has not aged. Fantastic. So, but I mean, I'm I'm confused. Like, because we kind of had this big, huge credit sequence of all these. Yeah. These are the things they've done. So, is that not? Is that all being wiped out? Like, I, I don't like it when they do that with sequels. So, like the one part that I like, and they remove it. Like, come on. So they they've addressed that sort of, and one of the trailers shows it briefly. Um, the the reason I have a lot of faith in Face the Music is because of how long they've been working on this, and because long before you know, there was this revival of Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves was always thought to have disassociated himself with Bill and Ted uh, for years. Like, oh, he doesn't want to be thought of as Bill and Ted anymore. He, he doesn't want those movies to be remembered. And then all of a sudden it came out like about 10 years ago that Keanu Reeves was the one who sort of broke the news saying, yeah, they wrote a script for Bill and Ted three and it's amazing. So this script was written a long time ago. They've had a lot of time to work on it. And Keanu Reeves got excited about doing this. And this is a guy who, you know, did the Matrix movies, but he actually is pretty picky with his selections in movies. Um, he was the first person to sort of champion, I want this movie to happen. And this is the guy who didn't want to be associated with Bill and Ted for the longest time. And he sort of explained this premise, which always had me excited for the last 10 years of they were supposed to have changed the world. But now they're these guys in their 40s or 50s and they're two total losers and nothing that was supposed to have happened happened. And because of that, the whole universe is now at risk. That premise is, I think, really exciting. Uh, and, and I could see why they would want to make this movie. Uh, but I sort of thought because of that, that they would sort of wipe out Bogus Journey from existence. But I think it was the first teaser trailer that shows some of those final moments from their performance with the Kiss song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You at the end of Bogus Journey here, uh, which was their big you know, moment. And then you have all those news clippings at the end. Uh, and they, I think the the teaser trailer even says something along the lines of, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, uh, you guys performed in front of uh, however many people and today you're performing in front of two and they're showing clips from that. So I think it will still be tied into that, but there'll be some type of, you know, twist where one thing changed and maybe this movie, who knows, maybe this movie is somebody changed something in history between that performance and now and nothing happened and we have to figure out where it is so now they have to go all over the place because this movie is going to deal a lot with musicians from the past them learning how are we going to write this great song so instead of it being historical figures like abraham lincoln they're going to be meeting people like you know jimmy hendrix or uh, jimmy hendrix and um um can't remember some of the other ones but it's yeah it's going to be all these classic musicians that uh, are going to tie into this movie okay so it's going to be, um, am I thinking of uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, kind of? No, they don't really meet people. I haven't that. seen that, but um, yes. No, that's a bad, no, that's a bad comparison, Ben. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know why I'm saying that. That's my, that's my reaction. I sound like that stupid <laughs> alien in this movie. But um, 
The, I mean, the thing, as I said, I think in the last episode with Dumb and Dumber 2 is that I remember seeing Dumb and Dumber 2 going, okay, this was better than I was thinking it was going to be. Wasn't brilliant. Not something that, you know, holds a candle to the first one. But again, actually not as bad. This year, 2020, has been the year of limited expectations and pleasantly being surprised with the end product. So that could be the case. I mean, this was kind of like, I guess, Jumanji, the the second one. I haven't seen the third one yet, but I remember like hating the trailer for that. What have they done to Jumanji? Going into Mm -hmm. the movie, having no expectations at all, thinking they're going to ruin my childhood and loving the second Jumanji, going, hey, actually, that was pretty darn good and they kind of kept the legacy of the first movie alive. So hopefully our track record for 2020 has been good with movies. So this could be the case with this one. And Keanu Reeves again, you know, and it's good that Alex Winters finally is going to make some money after about 30 years. So good for him. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have them both back. And I mean, they've been playing on this forever. I mentioned uh, in the Excellent Adventure, there was that podcast where you know, they still meet like once a year. And I think Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves have been the main ones talking about this. Uh, this movie eventually getting made didn't even have anything to do with the John Wick you know, craze there was. Somebody just eventually said, let's greenlight this movie that the director had been attached for a long time. Uh, and, and this is the movie that everybody sort of, you know, um, campaigned for, for so long. And it really shouldn't have existed. Uh, just running through some of the other characters here. Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix, and Dave Grawl as Dave Grawl in this movie. <laughs> Gee, that's a bit so, of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get all over the place. Now, the second thing would be them as fathers. And I think this is um, what uh, Alex Winter first brought. Keanu Reeves is the first one who brought up the idea that this movie would deal with. They're these middle-aged guys who are still losers and nothing happened and they don't know why. And I think it was Alex Winter that brought up the idea of them having children and what would they be like? And it, it's interesting because a lot of people have been critical about the fact they have daughters in this movie because they said, oh, well, they had sons at the end of Bogus mm. Journey. Uh, but if you read the credits, the characters' names are the same. Uh, Bill is Billy and uh, uh, Ted is Teddy or whatever. Uh, so they, they just took these two names and said, well, these names apply to boys and girls. Uh, and then they got these two actresses in there. As you mentioned, Samara Weaving's the the one who's playing Bill's daughter, I guess named Ted. And then uh, this other actress who I'm not familiar with uh, is playing Ted's daughter, Bill. Uh, and we we see a little bit of them in the um, the first trailer, but the second trailer focuses a lot on them. Kind of, There's also a clip that's been released in the last week that's showing them um, seeing the phone booth and seeing their dads leave in the phone booth. And they're sort of like, whoa, all those stories they told us are real. And you realize they're playing their parents. Like, it's really fun to see these two girls essentially being Bill and Ted. I'm actually quite excited to see what it's going to be like for them. A, what are Bill and Ted like as fathers? And then also that they didn't go the route of what you'd expect in a movie like this, which was that their kids are actually brilliant and smart and everything. It's like, no, their kids are just as dumb as they are and literally the same personalities. I'm also looking forward to seeing Kristen Schaal, if you're familiar with her, if you're a Flight of the Concords fan. Um, yeah, I've seen her in one or two things. I've never really seen much of Flight of the Concords. But yeah, she's she's playing Rufus's daughter in this movie. She does the voice of the, I think it's the Triceratops in the Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. Um, oh, does she? Yeah, she she's been around for a long time like she's actually in so many more things than you realize she's and her stand-up comedy is actually really really funny so i actually do like her um she was on 30 rock for a while i believe from memory too so um she's great and holland taylor who um i did not realize was in a relationship with sarah paulson 
So there you go. Uh, I thought this came up on a recent episode. It might have. Maybe when we were talking about Sarah Paulson. We were talking about Sarah yeah. Paulson recently, weren't we? So there you go. But uh, I, I like Holland Taylor. She's one of these ones where it's kind of like, it took me a while to realize her name. But, like, she was always in, like, those 90s movies. Like, she was, what, George of the Jungle and The Truman Show, I think, were the two that I know her mm-hmm. best uh, from. But uh, I actually really like her. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, going to be uh, interesting. I, 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 I feel like I'm not as invested in this as you are. So uh, There's no way to be as invested as I am. Uh, yeah. But... I think this is it's it's great that they are releasing this the way they are. You know, we've talked about this in some of our other recent reviews that so many movies have shied away from a 2020 release period. And, you know, that may be right. Uh, but we're at least in this little stretch right here where there are theaters open in Canada. There's theaters really open everywhere. You don't have limited seating. But with the amount of screens and people going, there, there's no issues. I've been to, you know, a couple of movies already. You've been to a couple of movies. I don't know if it's the same where you are, but. I think that a movie theater is literally the safest place in the country you could be <laughs> outside of your own home because uh, it is so such a big gap between you and any of the seats around you. And the lengths they go to, they'll even show a commercial before the movie showing the lengths they go to to sanitize. It's not like I've got a Lysol wipe and I'm wiping, but they have like a fogging machine for the whole theater, which is great. Um, but it's being released in theaters. It's being released on demand literally on the same day. I want to see this on a big screen. Um, it, it, it's exciting. This is one of those movies. There's probably a handful of things that as a kid, I thought, am I ever going to get another movie like this? You know, uh, star Wars was one, um, Rocky was one, Jurassic park was one, Superman was one and Bill and Ted's one. And somehow all those franchises managed to come back, uh, which is great that, you know, we're getting Bill and Ted. Cause this seems like the last holdout 29 year gap, which I think may actually have be the record for the biggest gap for a direct sequel uh but we're, we're definitely going to come back after that what was the gap uh, for dumb and it was about 29 years of dumb and dumber as well wasn't it oh um, no dumb and dumber is only in now like 26 years since the original release oh 94 so like 84 80. yeah no you're right sorry yeah, but i think um, tron legacy of the ones that i remember was like 28 years uh so this like a year extra even longer than tron legacy as far as a movie that's a direct sequel that has the original cast in it too that's another crazy thing you got both these actors back um do you have some excitement for bill and ted face the music though oh look i mean i'm I'm glad i've watched these movies I, i feel as though these were as i think i said in the first episode movies that i should have watched like i should have seen so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that I'm completely not excited at all. I'm excited to go to the movies to see a new movie. I haven't seen a new movies in the cinema, I think, since Sonic, maybe? Mm. Was that February? Was there yeah. another one after Sonic that we covered with Birds of, no, Birds of Prey was beforehand? So that was February. I was in New Zealand. It's been a while. <laughs> Shit has happened since then. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. The newest movie I've seen at the cinemas is Back to the Future. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, and again, like... It's, it's, I think it's good with these instances to go into a movie like this and not really have a lot of expectations. It's like you mentioned before, you haven't seen Pick of Destiny and they're supposedly making another Tenacious D movie. I watched that absolutely religiously as soon as I discovered how amazing it was. So, like, kind of you're going to watch it one time, hopefully enjoy it, and then go into it maybe the same way I'm feeling now with mm. Bill and Ted. So, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure uh, I will get some enjoyment out of it, more than I did with uh, Bogus Journey. So, um yeah, and again, Keanu Reeves, come on. I don't I don't know outside of the Matrix movies if I've ever seen oh Toy Story 4, a Keanu Reeves movie on the big screen. I'm just trying to think. You never yeah, you never saw Speed, did you? I didn't I would either. have been seven. So Yeah. 
No, I would have been way too young. Um, no, I think Matrix, uh, Toy Story 4, yeah, I don't think I would have. So there you go. Wow. Sweet November. Oh, well, I mean, come on. How many times did I see that at the movies? Uh, what's that stupid one he did with Sandra Bullock that had, was about like a letterbox? Lake House. Oh, fuck that shit. Yeah. God, I'm sorry. Mallory and her mum started watching that <laughs> once and they were like crying and this movie's amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's got Dylan Walsh in it for a nip tuck. Great. But outside of that, I'm like, this movie is so stupid. How are they writing to each other? I haven't seen it. Um, it's Don't. probably the only kind of reason we haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, I will skip it then. Uh, all right, so Bogus Journey, uh, the opinions of four people here. One of them is right. Three of them are wrong. <laughs> but again, I understand the opinions. Uh, but Face Music is going to be fantastic. And probably at the time you're hearing this, the movie's almost released. And we'll be out in a couple of days with a review of it. Uh, spoiler free, of course, for those who won't be able to see it, even though it will be accessible for everybody. Um, stay tuned for next movie we do, which uh, is something. I think Wonder uh, Woman. It's, it's, it's probably going to be DC month. I think we're if, yeah. if Wonder Woman stays at its release date, then we will be doing what's our first one we'll be doing Aquaman, right? Um, Justice League. I'll just, I'll just, of course, which is, I mean, it's kind of very topical, very topical actually. And, um, you and I, I think are the only defenders of justice league on this planet. So, um, I'm looking, I'm, I'm actually keep forgetting how much I'm looking forward to doing DC month take two. Yeah. You know, um, I think we, we semi decided we're going to do this month next month anyways, just because, whether if Wonder Woman gets pushed, we're not technically covering a Wonder Woman and, you know, we're just covering more DC movies. So fine. Gives us something to talk about. Uh, it's almost more appropriate now because of the Snyder cut and the trailers that were just released and as well as everything else, the Batman and Suicide Squad. Uh, but yeah, we covered the first four DC movies and we've got a bunch more to do since then. So we have Justice League, Aquaman, Shazam and Birds of Prey. Um, I have seen all of them. Uh, I am a indifferent on one of the movies but we'll, we'll see when we get there uh justice league is gonna be fun because you said we're the only defenders i think we are in some ways but uh it's funny the amount of people that i've talked to who watch justice league and of course we all saw the box office nobody saw it when it first came out but people who have seen it since then and i know of multiple people who said to me you know i didn't expect to like justice league and i went in with low expectations and for what it is it was pretty fun like yeah. people weren't disappointed and i think a lot of people i've even heard say if you actually compare it to the first you know, two Avengers movies, it's at least on par with most of the Avengers movies because really Avengers is one of these things where it's like it's exciting when you first see it, but then you go back and watch it a second time, you're like, uh, it doesn't necessarily hold up as well. Mm, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I was huge on the first Avengers. Like I've never like been, like I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like, wow, this is an amazing. I remember when I did my rewatch and kind of caught up, I was expecting yeah. so much of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was fine. But um, I think I, I'll i be honest with you, with Justice League, I saw it at the movies and I think I watched it at your house. Didn't we watch it when we were yeah, there? Yeah, we watched it in ago? 3D. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're the only times I've seen it. So, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it both times. Aquaman, I saw it at the cinemas and I haven't watched since. And that is one mind fuck of a what the hell is happening in this movie. Like, it's again, it's enjoyable. It's not enjoyable, but there's 30 movies in one in Aquaman. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on. Uh, in Aquaman, uh, Shazam. I mean, we love that movie so much. We did two episodes on it, basically. So you know, we're mm-hmm. going to praise that. And Birds of Prey, I enjoyed. Uh, it was it was kind of one of those ones where it was like didn't have a huge lot of expectations. Uh, enjoyed it. I probably enjoy Suicide Squad more if I'm being completely honest because I like Suicide Squad. But Birds of Prey still an enjoyable film. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And I mean, we're big DC defenders on this podcast. So bring yeah. it on. 
Yeah, and I'm still getting sick every time a DC trailer comes out and people are automatically like, oh, is DC finally going to start making good movies? I'm like, go back over their track record. The majority of their movies have been well-received. Yeah. If you actually compare, we'll talk about this in the in the episode, if you compare, let's say, the first eight Marvel movies to the first eight DC movies, the first eight Marvel movies got just as much criticism, you know? It's yeah. not like people were in love with Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Captain America 1, Thor 1 and 2, you know? Uh, so it, it's sort of unfair to compare, but yeah, exciting to do DC month. Uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. If James Bond happens, we can do James Bond Christmas. <laughs> we'll happen. have something. Please happen. Oh, Sorry. Gotta have it. It's got hanging on to it. This is it. My whole year's been revolving yeah. around no time to die. If you delay it again, there will be time to I'm, die. We've lost too much in 2020. We could talk about the loss of human lives, but no, instead we've lost Top Gun. We've lost Ghostbusters. Don't make us lose James Bond as well. Daniel Craig has got that blade ready to slit his wrist, people. Like, don't <laughs> kill Daniel Craig. I'm really starting to like Daniel Craig, too. I don't want to lose him when I'm liking this. Have with Roger Moore, everyone. All right? I finally yeah. appreciated Roger Moore, and he died. All right? I'm finally appreciating Daniel Craig. Don't you kill him. Don't you take Daniel Craig from me. COVID, do whatever you want with human life, but leave us Bond, okay? Exactly. All right? Just, just, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> We will get there. We're sure we will. But DC Month first. Uh, coming soon, Bill and Ted face the music. Listen to anything else we have coming out. It's going to be at least one more Total Drama Island episode uh, as a sort of finale, even though the finale has actually happened. You have to watch the show to get it. Uh, we will be back soon. My name is Colin, and you have sunk my battleship. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and I got a full-on robot chubby. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.